guys. Welcome to episode 43 of CMD Towers Bruise and Build. I'm Mr. Combo number five, and my fellow host took the first place ribbon for brewing at the Inventors Fair, Big yeah. Tech. What's going uh, on? Hello, hello, Mr. Combo. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm all right. Other than the the microphone things that we were trying to work through, yeah, uh, it's you know it's we recorded news frazzled. and it sounded fine, and then all of a sudden GarageBand's like, you know what? Let's crank Mr. Combo up right. to eleven. I also got a quick uh, quick shout out. Hello, Artificers and Artifices. Oh, there it is. Which is a little bit of the a little deck there. So how uh -huh. are we doing? Are you, are you hanging in there okay? Or yeah, yeah, just doing a little all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Try, trying to eat better, and I guess everything I'm doing is giving me more energy. My body is like, hey, where's the cheese and the beer? We need to slow down a little bit. Uh, what's all this green stuff? But there hasn't been, there's, there's been a slice of jerky in weeks. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm doing I'm doing all right. You know, me and the girlfriend, we got our because we had to cancel Europe, so we've actually right. scheduled to go out to Colorado with uh, ex friend of. Well, it's not like he's an ex friend, but he used to play with us, uh, Mr. Denny. Uh, so me, his lady, nice. and uh, one of my girlfriend friends and her husband were all going to go out to Colorado to Breckenridge and go hiking and go look at national parks and do that Sweet. over Labor Day weekend. And uh, then we also uh, got a lake trip scheduled with a couple of her friends for the, hopefully the end of July. So, nice. you know, it, it's not the trips that I wanted, but yeah. it's the trips I deserve. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I hear that. I, or maybe I, the I got trips the... that you needed. I got the Ooh, uh, I got the plug go. on uh, on a lake house from my parents. I think I'm honestly just gotta go out there and be like, I'm gonna get away from the city and away from everyone and just like take the weekend off and just relax, you. do some fishing, <laughs> have some beers. Speaking of which, quick shout out. Uh, Rock Creek Brewing Company right here in Kansas City. They just opened. Baby. It's I'm drinking uh, New England IPAs from them. It's delicious. So Good. I'm glad that mm. for those playing the home game, I could literally roll out my front mm. door, fall over, and land at that brewery outside. Yeah, just it's, it's, down the street that, that's because Sweet lives in a cardboard box at the side <laughs> wait, of the brewery. Wait, who? I do who indeed. Is this? Yeah. Who are we talking about? Uh, who's this, who's this squee person that we're discussing, Mr. Combo? Does he have something to do with this podcast? Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> know your place! <laughs> Blasted. Uh, well, uh, super exciting, guys. We do have a special guest on, um, you know, over from CMDR Central and the EDH Recast, Mr. Dana Roach. What's going on, Dana? Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. So how's life going for you up in uh, Minnesota? Um, I, I'm not quite, I'm like an hour-ish away from the cities, um, so I'm in okay. Wisconsin, Wisconsin's okay. kind of the border, but summer's here finally, and I'm feeling pretty good about all of that, you know. Yeah. Avoiding. The long uh, winter's over. Yeah, the long winter's <laughs> over, we're maybe on the other side of this whole plague thing, so. Yeah. Maybe, so I, I'm doing all right. Good, Luckily, good, though, man. the best news about all that is even though we're on the tail end of it, it's still all anyone ever talks about right. and all you ever hear about, so. <laughs> Uh, you can really, you can really tell that we're banding together to get through this thing. Good, Good news, Dana. You're giving me uh, old school feels. My family's all from like northeastern Iowa, and I hear the both. I have it too. I like it. I love it. I want more of it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, wh why don't you kind of tell the uh, collective out there what you do, some of the content that you're a part of, and any uh, special projects you may be doing? Uh, sure. So, uh, you know, I, I came back to Magic. I played it in my youth. Um, and I actually quit right around Ice Age block, so I, I started playing relatively Whoa. young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I had my, my roommate in college, it would have been my sophomore year, had a nervous breakdown and stole everything from 
myself and our other roommate. So he pawned oh, no. my entire magic collection oh, for like no. twenty oh, no. bucks. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story like that. Yeah. Like everyone's gotten ripped off. Everyone's been like, "Oh yeah, I left my collection with my friend," and then he came yeah. back, and you're missing like a bunch of duels and all that stuff. Yeah, it's and happened I to everybody. Duels. I, I did. There was a couple moxes in there. So, oh no. Now, in, in grand <laughs> scheme of things, the other roommate he wound up opening a bunch of credit cards in the other roommate's name, so he actually had to oh. declare bankruptcy. Oh, see, I oh, got my goodness. So <laughs> okay. all told, I came oh, out okay, just losing my magic collection. That's the award right. for best backstory I've ever heard. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to try to rebuild a collection. And I, you know, I'm sure. like, I'm like 20 years old or whatever. So, so I just stopped. I was done. Um, and then, you know, it, it, six, seven years ago, I had a friend at work that played, and he kept. At some point, I mentioned I used to play, mm-hmm. and he kept badgering me. So. I, As that works. I, I bought it's a few a, packs and it's a tuck specialty. Well, yeah, went to a free release and found out about Commander and just kind of got hooked. It's that Commander. Yeah. It's the, yeah. the that's yeah. it. That happened to me too. I, I got out of the game and then Mr. Combo told me about Commander and I was just I was like, wait, we can play with more than two people? Right, yeah. All right. Exactly. All right, I'm back. I'm back. Now here's a real question, Mr. Roach, if you will. What's your deck what's your commander deck count at? Um, I'm sitting at I think about a I think eleven decks because I Ooh, just finished okay. putting one together today. So I, I think today actually might take me to twelve. Okay, but so, I, can, I can see that yours are very focused on quality in them as opposed to the quantity <laughs> like, my, like mine. And, and what I tend to do is I'll, I'll build a deck and play it, and if it doesn't like mentally click somehow, and it doesn't have to be super powerful but it has to do something to like make me kind of fall in love with it mm-hmm. and if it doesn't sure. do that I, I take it apart I, I can usually tell pretty quickly if it's gonna hook me or not <laughs> and if it doesn't it it off to the bone yard <laughs> and you don't just swap out commanders you yeah. don't swap out commanders seven times in a row until you finally find something that's okay <laughs> I, i'm usually looking for like some real specific hook so oh. like the, the deck i'm building right now i, I bought a pestilence deck so that oh, was cool. that's the hook so uh, so i'm i put all the pieces together and i want to try that out hopefully in the next week or so I got a pestilence from Big Tuck oh, many moons ago. That was maybe six to eight months ago, right when the podcast started. Great nice. card. Um, so, any, so when I came back, anyway, I came back and I had got a play group in town. We we started playing Commander, and we used to go out for dinner and beer every night before Commander nights. So we'd meet after work, you know, have have a couple beers, have pizza, whatever, and just like then BS about Commander the whole time, basically. Mm-hmm. And at some point, someone said we should just put a microphone down and <laughs> record this because essentially <laughs> this is a podcast. And then we said, well, let's actually just do that. So a couple of the friends that I was doing that with, we decided to start recording mostly just, you know, for the fun of it, just for the heck of it. And then once I'm doing that, you know, I'm using EDH Rec and they're looking for writers. Right. Well, let's do that. And then EDH Rec's like, let's do a (laughs) podcast. So now I'm doing, you know, 15 things. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, that's awesome, man. So, uh, you know, obviously you still have like an IRL job, but I mean, you know, with you being involved in so many things and it sounds like you're kind of, you know, spreading and branching further into magic. Do you ever see a point in your life where it's like, you know what? I'd love to do magic full time and kind of have that be my shtick. I, I don't think so. Um, I've got a pretty good job. Um, I had a wife and a kid. So like, yeah, the sure. Ability the of, wife and kid will do it to you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I, I think once I start, if I were to do that, that might take some of the fun out of it. It gets sure. to be just fun right now. Like I, it, and if at some point it ceases to be fun, I can just stop doing it. That freedom is really nice. 
Whereas mm-hmm. I think yeah. if I if I lost that, I, I that would change things. I don't know if I want to do that. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like the way things are going right now. Doesn't mean I'm not going to do more stuff, but like I, <laughs> sure. I don't see it as a career type situation. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, 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 I think you you really hit it on the head with the fun thing because I actually got to play uh, a couple games with uh, Big Tuck's arch nemesis Jimmy Wong uh, in Vegas, and uh, honestly, also wait, wait, wait. real quick, uh, I know we haven't talked about this for a while, and I've kind of had a change of heart, and I just want to let you know, Jimmy, that I'm still coming for you. And also, uh, I'm very excited to not see you in Mulan, because that got delayed, so double suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But literally, you know, like, you know, it was the... uh, command zone area where you kind of get assigned a random magic, uh, yep. you know, celebrity personality, however you want to describe it. And, you know, I, I was in one of the pods that Jimmy got to come play in. And I mean, he just looked stressed and yep. he had like, you know, a person constantly coming over. Okay. You got this many minutes to do this. Then you have to be here. He did not seem to have fun at all. And then even when we kind of sat down to play the game, it was just, I don't know if he is a super serious player. It doesn't come off that way, at least mm-hmm. on game nights, but yeah. And you know, I would kind of see different people that, you know, have, you know, the, the massive YouTube channels in Vegas and just a lot of them didn't seem to have fun. And, you know, the ones that, you know, are a little bit smaller in size compared to those, you know, CCO, uh, EDH rec, uh, even ourselves, it seemed like us, we're, we're kind of all at that sweet spot to where we, we do this and we enjoy it and we sink time and energy into it, but it hasn't consumed our lives. So we can still, still enjoy it at the end of the day. For sure. Yeah. And and I think that's a good, good spot to be at. Well, guys, thanks for tuning into the episode. And this was only able to happen from our audio producer, Squee McGee, and his company, Rich Chaos Records, here in Kansas City. What's going on, Squee? Oh, I survived the monsoon of uh, of May. <laughs> here we are. It I, rained, know. I don't know, yeah. like eight inches today. Uh, it was a little bit nuts. Uh, I'm doing good, though. You know, I'm busy. That's good. Having the, a good the, time. The monsoon almost took out my magic collection. I was oh, very, very wait, scared. Did you get water? I got water in my basement, and I got water right under where I have my shelves, but I think mm-hmm. the water just trickled down the wall oh, and gosh, got on the yeah. ground. Because, uh, uh, Dana, yeah, definitely I would be in that situation to where if my magic collection got stolen, destroyed, I'm just done. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do that again. There's no uh, coming back. <laughs> There's no yeah, coming back. Yeah, the, uh, the water gave me some flashbacks. The uh, backstory here at Rich Chaos Records is I bought the house to turn the basement into a studio, and then I turned the basement into a studio and then about four or five inches of water came into the basement and wrecked the studio then i had to start over and rebuild the whole thing so i want to put a a pin in that story though because you've left out the other important part that same rainstorm squeeze car got covered in about four (laughs) feet of water oh no it was over the roof (laughs) over the roof anyways that was the same evening so that was a rough time but we moved and on. And Squee, how did you find out about your car? It was on the f- news. <laughs> <laughs> I watched my goddamn car sit under four feet of water on the goddamn news. And then I came home to my only place of solace to find four inches of water on all my music gear and all my shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor, hapless, poor hapless man. <laughs> Forgot to roll up windows. No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, and, and so the crazy thing about it, Dana, is we were all at the bars and I've of course we've been drinking we're like hey it's storming let's just uber home be safe 
and Squee was like, oh, I'll just get my car tomorrow morning. So it's not like he saw his car be kind of flooded and be like, ooh, this is bad. He thought everything was going to be fine. And then we just get home. We're like, man, it's kind of flooding. Let's turn on the news. And then there's his car. I believe believe friend or not friend of the cast, Mikhail, uh, pointed out. He goes, hey, is that your vehicle? And I said, oh, no. Indeed it is. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, so that gives me a little flashback. But, yeah, I have... uh, if you need tips on keeping your basement dry, figured it out by now. Uh, fill in all your window wells that you possibly can without going out of code with concrete. <laughs> Good to know. I'll remember that. Well, guys, if you want to know more ways you can support the CMD Tower team and all the content that we put out, head over to our sponsor, level1gameshop.com. They sell magic accessories like our exclusive CMD Tower playmat and Matt Hunter Pack sleeves, and they also do have a great TCG player store with over 99% accuracy rating and very competitive prices. Uh, plus, we've actually had some early on discussions with the kind of social distance and how many people can be in a business and be on the lookout because we will be doing a CMD Tower takeover draft Ooh. that they are going to close down the store, find out what, how many people they can support with the space they have, with the six-foot rule, and it's going to be a very exclusive event. You'll be able to come, draft, play some games, and hey, uh, when Big Tuck gets too frustrated to continue on draft and he's like, screw it, I'm done, you could go jam an EDH game with him uh-huh. uh, as a sidebar. And for those this being like that scene in Coming to America, where both families are sitting on the ends of a super long table. <laughs> <laughs> and for those for those playing the home game, uh, that will be after round one. So if you want, if you want to uh, if you want to hook on jamming some games, then it is a very high possibility of doing. Another way to support the show is head over to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/CMDTower. Uh, we do actually have some new patrons to announce, which hey! is super exciting. Woo! I know people keep giving us money for some reason. I don't know why. It's because we uh, bring we that content. That, that mediocre content at <laughs> yeah. best. Uh, so, of course, uh, thank you, Matt Nance. Uh, he's actually someone from our uh, local playgroup that's kind of started to recently kind of migrate himself in here. Uh, Marketing yeah. Ross is just slowly bringing in more subjects into the collective. So appreciate As Marketing that. Marketing Ross should be marketing. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. cool. Uh, and then we do have uh, Jason Kangini uh, from Texas, so thank you. And actually, it was pretty cool when he uh, joined. He actually shot me this great detailed message about kind of how he got into EDH and playing Magic. And his son's birthday was actually, I think, the day that he signed up. Um, and he got his son his very first uh, EDH deck, a Reaper King deck. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah, and so I actually when I sent his care package, actually included some stuff from the CMD Tower team for his son's birthday. So, happy birthday, son of Jason. That's the kind of good news we want. Yeah, and then, of course, we got William from uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Not sure where that is in relation to where you are, Dana, but, hey, they're probably within an 8- to 10-hour drive. I think that's a safe (laughs) bet. Rochester's about 90 minutes-ish away. Oh, hey, there we go. Thanks for joining the collective. We really do appreciate the support and uh, find more people to bring in. We need to just infect everyone. <laughs> Magic term. Nice get it. Yeah. But we do have four different pledge levels if you are interested. And rewards vary from just getting access to our very savage Discord or getting your own set of signed uh, CMD Tower playmat and those sleeves. And of course, the free ways just share the content you're already listening to. Every little bit of interaction from the collective does really do help. Um, and every episode, we do want to give a big shout out for the music provided in the beginning and the end from Pink Royal. And of course, stay tuned until the end so you can get details on who you can win in the June giveaway. A drum roll, please. There we go. Chandra Spellbook. Yeah. Uh, thank you, level one. That's going to be.
be it's super sweet. Well, Bruise and Builds is our deck tech series, guys, and it's all about the decks that Big Tuck, our guests, and I have in our Path to 32. And every uh, episode, we're going to talk about one of those Path to 32 decks, but in a cool manner of brewing some beers. And so we kind of broke it down into four categories, and the first one's going to be ramp and setting your board state. That's the grain build. Yes, and the grains are the actual foundations of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with color, taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Deck always needs ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp into your bigger threats. And just like a grown profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. And then the next one's going to be, how does your board really interact with your opponents? We're calling that a hot profile. Uh, yes, and hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands, help distinguish subcategories like IPAs, or specifically New England IPAs, like this uh, Plymouth Haze from the aforementioned brewery. Our hop choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can do what it wants. And then the next thing is gonna be, how does your deck accomplish either its goal or win the game if you're a savage like myself? We're calling that yeast. <laughs> and yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds the alcohol content and the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. And without yeast cards, your deck would meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have shenanigans. These can be pet cards, synergies that are in the deck that maybe you're just fun. They don't really fit it. This deck has none of that because uh, Mr. Dana Roach is streamlined as hell, but we call that a spice package. Yes, and similar to decks, not every beer has something that makes it pop, but spices and additives do help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into a jalapeno stout, or the addition of hops and other citrus that turn an IPA into a double IPA. Um, like I said, not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if, if it does, this is where we talk about it. And I do have a special one to talk about on this one. And well, and then to kind of seal the deal on this, we do have a bottle capping. These are going to be Big Tucks, Dana's, and myself's recommendations to the deck that are under $5, under $50, and a personal recommendation that actually has no budget. The only restrictions we can't talk about mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. Today, we are talking about Mr. Dana Roach's Vela, the Nightclad Intimidating machinery deck. Dana, um, I've actually never seen a Vela deck, so this was very exciting. Um, I did see you post it on Twitter. Some people were wanting to see your deck list, so it seems like something that your community knows a lot about. Uh, but give us a little bit of insight. How did you kind of choose this to be your Demir deck or artifact deck, and how's it kind of grown through the time? So, um, I, I don't want to have overlap among the colors of deck I build decks I build. So mm -hmm. like if I if I have a Rakdos deck, I'm not usually looking for a second Rakdos deck. Um, I didn't have a Demir deck, so you know I would then periodically just you know look through Demir commanders as if magically three or four new ones had appeared. <laughs> uh, that's never really happened. But you know something will jump out at you. And Vela, I always liked the art. Like that was the main yeah. thing. Whenever I would skip through, I'd be like, "That's just a really good-looking card." Yeah. What could I do with it? And I'd look at it and I go, "All right, I don't know." And I would move on, and, and never, nothing would ever kind of click, sure. click with me. Um, so at some point, I finally like fix it. I'm like I'm going to figure this out. What can I do? Okay, what can I do with intimidate and stuff that has intimidate? And I thought about infect. I'm like, maybe they could try infect because then creatures would have some form of evasion. But ah, that's <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to do that. Sure. Um, so, so then Eldrazi. Well, hey, colorless Eldrazi. If they if I play them, they will have intimidate and they'll be virtually unblockable. Sure. No one wants to play Eldrazi. I don't like Eldrazi. <laughs> indeed, I don't want indeed. to against them. I certainly don't want to play them. I'm like, okay, well, I guess artifact creatures. And at that point, if I'm going to run 20 artifact creatures, I might as well make it into an artifact-centric deck. 
Sure. So I, you know, jammed in 20 artifact creatures and tried it out. And then over the course of trying that out, discovered that, okay, well, there's, there's pretty good synergy there with artifact tokens, because a lot of artifact stuff makes tokens, mm-hmm. and Vela's ability to sacrifice creatures and have those deal damage. So I found some synergy there. Tezzeret then really works nicely. A bunch yeah. of Tezzerets with yeah. dealing damage based on artifacts you control. So I just found a bunch of kind of weird synergies that I didn't intend just because I'm <laughs> okay. like, this card has cool art, and I guess I'll try artifacts and see what happens. And it wound up being a deck. That's awesome. And I, and I think literally the reason you chose Vela is what makes EDH so cool. And so many of our contemporaries talk about it to where it's not just, uh, hey, I'm looking at the tier one list. Here are the four decks like in modern. Here are yep. the four that I should I got to build right. if I want to be competitive. EDH is 100 percent just like weird, funky interactions that really because honestly, when I see Vela, my initial mind goes to blinking like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to do a blink sure. thing and I'm just going to be blinking stuff left and right. Well, that's not a whole lot of fun. If you go to the EDH rec website, there's a whole section on creatures that are just like ninjutsu because they're coming in and out. And okay, so maybe ninjas is a sub theme. Well, I mean, if I'm going to do ninjas, I'm going to do the actual ninja deck. (laughs) Yeah, not use Vela. Uh, So yeah, I I like the direction that you did with it. I like your deck restrictions. Mm -hmm. Um, And like we were talking about precast, this was the toughest deck that I have personally done yeah. on, on this channel from a cuts and ads because it's like I could cut this, but it's like, oh, but it kind of messes with what he's trying to do. So I can't do that. In large part, because I'm just an obsessive tweaker and that's okay. I have I have rules Hello. baked into the deck because if I didn't have rules, then who knows how far yeah. I would take it. So if I say, <laughs> OK, specifically none of this, none of this, none of this. Then I can turn the screws as tight as I want to, as long as I don't violate whatever presets I've set ahead of time. Right. And I, and, and to kind of echo that, like, I've never seen a Demir. I've seen one Demir artifact deck that I think former friend of the cast, Will, or whatever he's called now, no longer friend of the cast, Will has. <laughs> but I think, it, like, it's interesting that you don't think blue is kind of like a sub um, artifact color, right? Like, there's a lot of value in that, but you don't really see a lot with black that goes into it. And I think that this, looking at it, and again, I haven't seen it played, like, it looks on paper, like, it'll really work really well. Um, so I like the fact that you definitely broke the color pipe out the normal like you know blue black control blue black mill mm-hmm. those those sort of things blue black zombies if you will um so i think it's a really interesting deck and yeah it was it, like every card that i was like uh, a lot of ones i was like aha i found one and then i went back in it's like already in there and then there's another <laughs> like again it's like okay this is an easy cut and then you go and relook at the deck list you're just like no that's too good so um no it, it's 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 a real fun one to look at and, and i can't wait to get into it Cool. Um, And so, you know, kind of from a overall deck building perspective, you know, one of the things that Big Tech and I, because combined, me and him have something like 80 decks uh, between the two of us. Yeah. Um, And so when you have that many decks, you can't really do the tweaking as often as you would like. (laughs) Uh, And so what we've kind of noticed doing this cast is sometimes we build a deck and just never touch it. Like we did an episode of My Demir Zombies with Gisa and Geralt. um, And literally, I think I put that together and then I never touched it just because usually big splashy zombies don't come out that often so there's never really a reason to go into the deck and so one thing that we've kind of started to dive into and I'm curious your perspective is we start looking at CMC and we start looking at your mana producing versus the actual mana you need so one thing that I noticed is you kind of have done and maybe this is on purpose but I have done this before I started doing 
the more analytical side is I would build the deck and if it's two colors, it's like, okay, I need to have split blue and black. Yep. And I do that. But then when you actually get all the cards in there, you don't actually need split blue and black. You need to kind of off center it. And I notice yours is a, a little, you get a little bit more black mana than you do blue, but your deck is about 66% blue mana. So when you play this, do you ever find yourself having maybe a little too much black and needing more blue to kind of do your multiple things in a turn? Which is also shocking because your land base costs $827. <laughs> so normally when you see normally when you see this <laughs> Mr. Combo in his decks, yeah. you're like, yeah, this should this should if you if you have that much money in your lands, it should be pretty much on the nose. It should I, I think you're correct. I think it should be switched the other way. I think I should have slightly more swamps in there than islands. What I'm guessing the reason that is, and that's probably it's entirely a mistake on my part, it's probably one I haven't caught primarily because number one, it's a good land base. You know, I don't yeah, have I like an underground city. <laughs> oh no, we saw it. We saw that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And so much of the deck is colorless that I can oh, get away fair. with, with mm -hmm. having the wrong mana symbols and not care because there's, you know, like 40 artifacts in here. I require much less colorless matter than I normally would. So I, sure. you're right. I think it should be inverted. And I just haven't noticed it because it hasn't been an issue because I have good lands and so many many artifacts that I can get away with, with mm -hmm. having it done no. incorrectly. Yeah, and that's a good point, because Dana, you know, to that, you only have a total of 35 pips, whether it's blue or black, in the deck. And that's a little unheard of when you're running multiple <laughs> colors, because usually you're going to have 50, 60 pips somewhere in there. So I, I think that does go to that point. But, you know, that may be something. I don't know how often you get to play nowadays, but as you play it, you know, if you start seeing, like, because initially when I saw this, it was like, oh, man, I should find more ways to get more black pips in here so we can actually start using using that black man instead of blue because I'm I don't know about you I don't know if I, I I've listened to CMDR Central and I've listened to EDH Redcast and you don't really sound like a savage player by any means like ultra competitive um, and so I don't know how much of it's like oh I want to be as efficient as possible and I want to I want to play like eight spells a turn or if it's just like hey I want to sit down and have a good time and that could also be why maybe you haven't noticed because it's like oh I got too much black but I don't really care because I'm having fun yeah it's it's an element of that I I do want to be efficient. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's it's much more that I just haven't noticed because I, I have things in the deck that have allowed me to get away with those mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and then the CMC, you're at a 334, which, you know, our cast, a lot of the decks that me and Big Tuck have are between 33 and like 38, mm -hmm. which I feel like is a very healthy area. But then I listen to other uh, podcasts and other YouTube channels, and it's like, oh, uh, this deck needs to be a 2.9. And it's just like, oh, God, yeah. on my best day, I wish <laughs> it was out, a 2.9. The and then you bring out last <laughs> week's deck with, what, six plus? Oh, that was yeah, my Joda deck. <laughs> Joda, Joda's an expensive one. I usually like to stay sub 3-5 if possible, mm -hmm. but I'm not, okay. I'm not too worried about it because if something's cool and fun and it's what I want to do, then I'm okay with, with it being higher. I think I, I've got a Sphinx tribal deck, and I think yeah. it's sitting at like 3-8 or something. But like there, it's Sphinxes are all six drops. Like There's only so much you can do <laughs> in a Sphinx deck to get that CMC down. We just talked no, about that's... my Sphinx deck last week, so I am I am well aware of the pitfalls of that. <laughs> you bet. 
Yeah, you know, and I can actually relate to that because I actually just uh, had commissioned a proxy Game of Thrones deck. Uh, I proxied every card with Game of Thrones images oh, or artwork cool. and stuff like that. And one of the challenges I had is once I got everything in there, because I tried to do as many of the characters as possible, is my CMC was like four, 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 three, <laughs> and I literally just shoved in all the talismans that I could with the slots that I had <laughs> to a, get the get the CMC down yeah. and to try and actually play more than one spell a turn. Um, so. You so it sounds like, you know, you like to be under 3-5. I'm curious from a general deck building perspective, do you feel like being between like a 3 and a 3-5, that's a healthy area for EDH? Like if you're just trying to have fun and yeah, even I if you want so. to be a good player? And you can get away with a little more and you can, you know, and if you are if you happen to have gotten lucky, because I have decks that I wasn't intending to wind up at, you know, 2.9 or something. And it's right, just sure. by virtue of whatever thing I'm doing in the deck, there's a bunch of small sure. OCMC stuff in there and it's just gotten there. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've got a Talran deck that's basically a token deck, and it's running a ton of cantrips. And just, okay. but, you know, just weirdly enough, it's got it's like a two point two because I'm just running a bunch of terrible, oh, no. like <laughs> of hand and stuff like right, that. Yeah. It makes a drink. <laughs> so like that wasn't intentional, but it just worked out that way. It looks like it's a okay. much leaner deck than it actually is. So I, I don't worry about it too much. CMC gets weird too because you have things like Blasphemous Act is a nine, but it's not a nine. It's, yeah, it's right. usually a one. Whereas you know Cyclonic Rift looks yeah. like on paper a two, a two. But it's almost always yep. a seven. So exactly, it, it's good to look at but you don't want to like I, I don't live and die by the exact number yeah. because it, there's just so much flex Absolutely. okay that's fair well dana why don't we start off with the rampant grain bill what's the first card you want to kind of point out that if you want to build a vela knight clad intimidating machinery deck you kind of need in that grain section um I, I think that the important thing here, grain-wise, is mana rocks, and, and not okay. just because they're good for any deck, but one of the win conditions in this deck is the ability to turn those into creatures. So there's a, there's a Karn in here that can animate those mana rocks. You have, um, yeah, what's what's the enchantment? Um, not Mirror uh, Besieged. And the Antiquities Met War. Yeah. The Antiquities War has a way to turn all those rocks into creatures, too, and Vela giving them Intimidate makes them unblockable. So mana rocks serve a dual purpose, not that they're not always useful, but it's one of those things, you know, you hear Command Zone always talks about, you know, 10, 10 rocks, 10 draw, whatever. Sure. That's more cards than you, you, that you can't do that in a deck. That, that, that takes up more slots than you have. So yeah. I usually don't run that heavy on ramp. In this deck, though, I have a few more mana rocks than I usually do just because they do serve the extra purpose of doing damage when Tezzeret is out and they serve mm -hmm. the extra purpose sure. of being bodies when I need to swing. So in this particular deck, uh, mana rocks are, are more important than usual, I think, because they do multiple things. Okay. Is there like one in particular that you would think like, hey, for a Vela deck, you really should have like this mana rock in there? I mean, you have a bunch. Obviously, like Soul Ring, like sure, that's a good card. Yeah. We all know what like Soul Ring is. But, but outside, yeah, outside of the norm, is there one that you think like, hey, this one really kind of helps the deck tick? Um, you know, I don't know if there's anything specifically. I, I think the cost reducers, Cloud Key. Um, you can, you know, when it comes into play, you choose uh, a card type and spells of that type cost less. That's almost always chosen as artifacts. Sure. But I also have Joyra's Familiar does the same thing. Um, Foundry um, Inspector. Sure. Foundry Inspector does the same thing. Because so much of my stuff is colorless, it doesn't take many reducers in this deck where I can just, you know, if I have two of those out, I can just start playing two mana rocks for nothing. 
Yeah, so no, that's fair. And actually, CloudKey is the one that I had, I had actually picked for one of mine because of the thing that you just mentioned, you know, that mana reduction. But the thing I like about CloudKey with your deck, yes, you got a lot of artifacts and stuff in here, but you still have other card types, yeah. plenty of it. So CloudKey, I kind of look at, you know, we talk about modality a lot on our channel. The, the ability to have a card that doesn't isn't just draw a card and it does nothing else. It's, hey, draw a card if you're in this situation or maybe you get mana in this situation. With CloudKey being able to, so if you guys aren't familiar, CloudKey's three color list, it's an artifact. When it ETBs, choose artifact, creature, enchantment, instant, or sorcery, and then spells you play of that type cost one less to play. Uh, it's an amazing card. And I look at it to where this isn't so much whether it's beginning, middle, end of game. I think it kind of depends on your grip. When depending sure. what cards you have in hand, you could end up being in that situation where most likely you're going to have a ton of your artifacts. You got a crap right. ton of artifacts, right. but it could be one of those weird situations to where you know I'm over here, you know, looking. You got nine sorceries in the deck. Maybe you just hit a bad luck and you got five sorceries in hand. Yeah, it might absolutely. be something where it's like, hey, instead of me picking artifact, which would be the smart play. I'm going to pick sorcery so that way I don't just pick artifact and then I'm now binning sorceries potentially if I can't draw into the stuff I need. At least I could cast these things and, and it costs me a little bit less. We might be talking about we might be talking about cloud key a little bit later. Okay. So right. Oh no. <laughs> Well, uh, so Big Tuck, CloudKey was my first one. Yeah. Tuck, what's the first one you want to kind of point out? So I like how you, I think you have this card in the green mana section, but I think this actually is like one of the best turnkey utility players in the entire deck, in my opinion. Um, and it's a card I really, really like. So we are talking about the big boy, the final form, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> one of the best cards in the deck. I didn't even think, no I didn't question. Even, Mr. Cobb, so normally we've been doing this so long and Mr. Combo and I have been, we've been friends for a very long time. So like, I we kind of, or at least I do, I try to get into his head and choose ones that I know he would. <laughs> but this was so difficult and there's so many options to talk about, I couldn't even think about it. So I should have seen that coming a mile away. But um, for, those, for those playing the home game, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, is a legendary Planeswalker Tezzeret. He comes in with five loyalty. Uh, he costs four colorless and Demir. He's a mythic. Uh, and I'll read the first two. You all read the last two, Mr. Combo? Sure. G give me the tiny text. Okay, yeah. And again, <laughs> I didn't bring my glasses, so here we go. Per the uh, creatures, I'll drink for that. Um, <laughs> creatures and Planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. So, so that good. alone is just completely so bonkers. But I would probably run this card if that was where it ended. Right. If it stopped right there, <laughs> I would probably run it in the deck. Well, and the best part is it's one of those worthless, it's a mythic War of the Spark, so it has a static ability and relevant one. So yep. plus two, uh, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control, you gain X life. So How is that a plus ability? It's, it's, it's not, so right? And like, and so, like, so you have a grain, so so far we have a grain and then a yeast on the same card for six. And I think like, before, and I'll, I'll let Mr. Combo keep going before I kind of get my thing on this guy so there's two more and it doesn't stop there right so <laughs> right. just keep on going 
And, and so uh, I blacked out for a second because this this card's so amazing. I actually bought one right when it came out. So I think this was the buy a box promo, Correct, I yes. believe. Yep. Uh, so I bought a box strictly to get this card, and it's just been sitting in my binder for the last year. Oh. So I can't find a home for it. But it, it does come in with five loyalty, if that wasn't pointed out. Um, and the other two abilities, minus three, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. I think that's just good because, yep. Dana, one of the things that Tuck and I talk a lot about is there is a lot of artifact removal, yeah. not a lot of enchantment removal. So with you having an artifact heavy deck, like I tried to do a Reaper King deck once for a Super Friends, and Reaper King could just not stick on the battlefield because creature removal gets rid of it, artifact removal gets rid of it, and some of your game winners are some artifact creatures. So being able to get them back to your hand and then most likely cast it for free because of Tezzeret's right. static ability right. is just phenomenal. Uh, but then minus eight, so you could do it within, on the third turn uh, when he comes in, Exile the top 10 cards of your library. Put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. You have 40 artifacts in the deck. <laughs> the likelihood you're going to get, let's just say five, you're going to get half at minimum, um, is, is very, very high. And so, and the way it works out is if he doesn't get attacked, he still lives through that ultimate, right? right. To keep going yeah. and then like, okay, yep. next turn to steal even more damage. So this is exactly what I want a mythic Planeswalker to be. Costs a ton of mana, has these incredible abilities, um, definitely, you know, some people I know have said, like, oh, it's a little overcosted. Yeah, whatever. But in this deck, burning people, gaining life, like, there's not a bad ability on him with the way this deck is built. So it's just so cool to, like, see that. Um, I love this card. I think it's really great. And um, I just, like, I just, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, that's the first thing we're talking about for sure. I think literally the last time I played this deck, I dropped it on turn six and then played a Worm Coil Engine and played Traxos for free. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, and, you know, and I think the interesting thing here, uh, and Dana and Tuck, you guys have to correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Affinity was one of those mechanics that Wizard says we're never bringing yeah, back. You're right, right. And then yeah. Tezzeret Master of the Bridge came out and was like, ha, we're liars. Yeah. Dirty, dirty, <laughs> terrible liars. You don't think, you don't think things through, but... Anyways, that's a well, longer discussion. So, <laughs> so Dana, uh, is there one other card that you'd like to point out from a grain perspective uh, that is huge for a Vela deck that's kind of artifact-based, or was it Tezzeret Master of the Bridge? Uh, Tezzeret would have been the one I would have picked next, uh, although I will say, yeah. Sack Elwoods are really useful here at the end of the game, especially if I... Because Vela usually doesn't come out until... I'm in a position to put a hurting on somebody. Sure. And then oftentimes it's like, okay, I'll slam somebody with, you know, 20 artifact damage from, from bodies in play. And then if somebody else is, you know, at six, I can just sack the board to an Ashes altar or something mm -hmm. and dome them with the, the, the leave the battlefield trigger off Vela and then still have mana from the sack to maybe recast <laughs> something else that was in my hand. Yeah. So the, no, so that's, that's a good point. Really useful here. They're always useful again. But right. So what's your thoughts? This is something that Tuck and I have brought up on so many episodes ago. Uh, there are more and more ways in EDH, just because we have such a large access to card pools, of enchantments and ways and okos to kind of turn our commanders into things that we can't really use and you can't really get rid of. So one of the things that I've kind of thrown out there is looking into sacrifice creature outlets. So that way, if someone does Song of the Dryad, your commander, uh, you know, you may be able to sack it in response to get rid of it. And I think that kind of has a lot of play in a lot of decks, but that is, it's just such a narrow thing. But then I kind of do the flip side and it's like, well, 
technically, the only reason you would run a Cyclonic Rift is a very narrow thing. My opponents are going crazy and I need a way to get out of it. What are your thoughts on having some way in your deck to be able to instant speed either sack your commander, sacrifice a creature, be able to get rid of something because you're just potentially, I mean, heck, even um, the Rakdos spy chick that she ETBs under your opponent's control. If you want to mana into her. Yeah, Xantia. Xantia would even be a good one because you control her, so you can sacrifice sure. her. I mean, what are your thoughts on having some outlet like that? Myself, I tend to build decks where the commander, where the deck will function if I never play the commander. Right. But I don't want mm, okay. to, like, I don't want to feel like I need to have the commander out in order for the deck to work. So I, I usually worry a little less about those effects which is maybe a little bit odd because I adore those cards. I love Dark's Mutation and Lignify and yeah. Kenris Transformation. Like, any way to you could, to make a, a commander useless. Because with Tulane, you're not going to solve any problems by killing Tulane. They'll just recast Tulane with the four mana they put into play off Tulane ability and all the cards they right. drew. There are some commanders you really need to, like, make them into something worthless to actually the deck down. I love those cards. I think there's an Imprison in the Moon here in yeah, this deck just for that reason. I love that card. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm torn. Like, it, it's so tough to find slots for stuff, too, these days. Yeah. That, you know, I think you need to have the added synergy uh, of something else working with mm -hmm. the Zachala you're running to justify it myself. That's my guess. Sure. And and we also, Mr. Combo and I, I think we definitely build commanders like top down. So that's something that we come, like a lot of the decks we build are based on the commander or like based on their ability and the deck really like sure. runs really smoothly with them. So I think we're both very um, aware and have been struck by one of these maladies sure. and been like out of the game for a long time. And like in this deck, you know, if someone plays a rough enchantment, I'm just like, well, hope somebody else can deal with it because <laughs> yeah. I certainly can't. Because <laughs> I couldn't even find slots for counter spells really. I've been blue and I just like, I couldn't, sure. I, I tried for a while and I couldn't, I just didn't have room. Mm -hmm. So I just like, well, yeah. no counter spells here. Yeah, like one of the ones that I kind of told uh, Tuck that, in my opinion, in any type of deck that runs black up to three colors, Phyrexian Tower is probably sure. an auto-include because it taps for mana on its own, plus you can use it as a sacrifice yeah. outlet for double black mana. Um, so, yeah, no. That, and that's it's, and it's in the deck. <laughs> yeah. There's and one, it's in the deck. Uh, well, Tuck, what's uh, your last green? Why don't you wrap this up? Yeah, so this one be, should be pretty quick. I just like this a lot. I don't think it's played enough as much as it should be. And in this deck, there is, because it's black and artifacts, there is some graveyard shenanigans that can be done. So I just want to touch briefly on Notion Rain. So colorless, uh, blue and a black, it's a sorcery. So surveil two, then draw two cards. Notion Rain deals two damage to you. So surveil is pretty much, look at the top two, and you can either put them in your graveyard or back on top of your library. Um, so it's like a sort of scry, except they go to the graveyard instead of the bottom. So in this deck, again, you might see these big threats and be like, okay, I'm just gonna put that in the graveyard and wait for them and then bring it back with my Tezzeret or something else. Um, kind of sets up your draws. It, it pretty much does. It's In this deck, it, it's effectively a second copy of Read the Bones, except with the right. modality and be able to put it in the graveyard. So it's a, it's a card I really like. Um, it's If you're running things where they deal with your graveyard, you care about cards in your graveyard, you care about delve, I think it's a it's a card that's a real slam dunk in those. So in here, you're, you're not sacrificing your card draw and you're potentially filling up your graveyard. Lastly, I will say the artwork on it is awesome because the rain yes. kind of looks like the Matrix coming down. Yeah. Um, so overall, just a 
really cool card. We don't, you know, it's definitely kind of more of like a, a workhorse sort of card. Nothing really to like go into details. Just want to bring it up because we hadn't been able to on the podcast. Yet. I, I'm totally on the same page. Every year, EDH Rec does like their favorite cards of whatever year. And everyone's picking like these giant splashy things. And I'm always every year, I'm like... Notion Rain or Chart of Course was my favorite card this oh, year. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Winged Words, like anything that like draws you two cards for some low amount of mana. <laughs> I am all over. I love that kind of stuff. I think this card would actually probably look really sweet in foil with that Matrix oh, Rain sure. and oh, having yeah. the Demir oh, yeah. symbol in there. That'd be real cool. But no, I actually, I, I, you know, I haven't seen this card before. Um, this would be something I would halfway honestly consider putting in my Geese and Garolf decks. Mm-hmm. One of the issues I have there. Dana, is I'll play Geese and Geralf and I'll bend the four, and a lot of times it's non-zombies. It's, you know, sure. like, oh, there goes my Liliana Planeswalker, and oh, there goes my Enchantment. So, it, this almost seems like a better version of Geese and Geralf, because in the Surveil 2, it's like, do I want to leave these on top? Um, you know, or if they are zombies, like, yes, get rid of them, and let's right. get to the other stuff. Uh, I don't potentially lose out on some big splashy thing. So, no, that's a, that's a cool card. I'm going to have to make a note of that. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the Rampant Grain Bill. Now to head over to the Board Satan Hot Profile, I'm going to start this off with a card that I literally saw do some work uh, during R40 Life in a Dash with our playgroup. Very, very, very cool card. And it's something that hurts the thing I love most, Planeswalkers. Um, we're talking about Hex Parasite. Oh, yeah. So, Hex Parasite, you can pay a colorless to play it, and it's a 1-1 artifact creature insect. Uh, sitting at a cool $2.50, so not going to break the bank. Right. You can pay X, and let's just be honest, it's two life. Uh, <laughs> you, you could, yeah, it's, it's a Phyrexian black. Let's not kid ourselves it's here. It's, it's X and two life. Uh, remove up to X counters from target permanent. For each counter removed this way, Hex Parasite gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Um... Counters are becoming so much more relevant in EDH. It seems like every year, like even in the Commander 20 precons, now we have this Abzan Commander that deals with flying and death touch counters Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So that can, you know, that's now becoming more relevant. Uh, Energy counters, you know, that that (laughs) used to be a thing. Uh, But no, like... (laughs) <laughs> Planeswalkers run rampant now in EDH more than ever because yes. of War of the Spark. Uh, you know, used to be Planeswalkers were either A, very costly mana-wise, or very costly money-wise. And that usually prohibited it from being in a deck. But now with all the uncommon Planeswalkers, and even the more expensive mana ones with the static abilities, more people are putting them in. So being able to interact, and especially since you don't even have to tap Hex Parasite to do it, right. it doesn't say it's sorcery speed. Oh, you just played that, you know, uh, Tezzeret Master of the Bridge, well, you'll get unactivation off of it, but I'm going to remove all the counters if you don't do what I want. So it can be political. It can save you. Um, I, I think this card is just phenomenal. The, the utility is fantastic. And even like using it on myself with um, the Antiquities War. I was just going to say that, yeah. that. So I can keep doing it. There's just it, it's there's always something useful that it does. Yeah, and then again, and it also can get like, like the fact a lot of people might just look at it and be like, okay, it's a way to remove counters. But again, since it gets that intimidate, this also could very well yep. turn into like quick five points of damage, quick six points of damage, yep. right? Like kind of sky's the limit. If you do want to get in the red zone or if you just need that like last little push, if you want to get a little bit more aggressive with it as opposed to like waiting um, to do it at instant speed. 
and similarly, Spellskite kind of functions the same way. Where it's just that's mine. That's one of that's one of mine. <laughs> yeah, that's one of mine too. Hey! Sits there doing six different things and annoying people. You know, I've I've stolen so many enchantments with it. When someone goes to throw an aura on something, and I'm like, I'll just take that with my spell skite. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> and again, so like I looked at spell kite. So for those who are for those playing the home game and who didn't play modern for a long time, uh, spell skite is two colorless and it's an 04 artifact creature horror. It's a rare, sitting at ten dollars. And for Frixian blue, scratch that for two life. You can change the target of target spell or ability to spell skite. Um, so what's funny is so I, it's so good. And I was looking, it's like, so are you just playing like modern Arcbound Ravager? Because you have all the modular cards. You have spells, you have spells sky. Yeah, yeah. It's like, did you have a modern deck that you just like were like, oh, I'm done I playing did. that, and then now I have I this. Um, but no, I, I think I agree, right? Like shuts down, um, shuts down. Uh, Voltron shuts down Bolts, shuts down Path to Exiles. Like, Vela is an expensive card, right? So it sucks if you play that and then someone just bolts it, or right. rather, like yeah. Path to Exiles or Source of Plowshares or whatever. Um, and this is a card where you'd much rather just have that eat it. And we've, we we yeah. talked about this a lot last podcast where this really, this is like a modular card for your opponents, right? So as long yes. as this card's on the battlefield, this is going to affect the way they look at the game. This is going to affect how they're going to play play it, um, how they're going to interact with your board, how they're going to interact with their board, just does a lot in a pretty small package. Both those cards are just like role players that they're they're here to do six different things and always be annoying for people mm-hmm. I'm playing against. Well, and I think, you know, these two cards literally embody what we kind of talk about from a hops you know, section the way that we do our deck building um, at CMD Tower is you want ways to interact with your opponents, regardless of what your opponents are doing. And we talk about it. We love these modular things. And both of these literally do 18 different things to Sunday. Like, I would love to have a spell skite so that way I could combat uh, Duffman's feather deck. Oh, absolutely. I'm so tired of feather. Uh, You know what? (laughs) Fine. Your thing will get exiled and you'll get it back to hand. But feather isn't going to just blink out and come back in and, you know, be able to block. My spell skite's gonna blink out and come back in. Yeah. And you know what would probably happen with me is I'd probably pay the two life so many times that I'd kill myself. <laughs> but I'd be happy about doing it. And then you die. And then you die off your mana crypt. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, well, but those were both of mine. So, uh, Tuck, I know Spellskite was one of yours. Yeah. What is your last So, I want to talk another, about another card I love, and I'm really glad it's been reprinted a couple times and finally dropped in price. So, this is like, I love cards that are super high risk, super high reward. Um, and you also talked about you don't have a lot of ways to deal with enchantments or directly with planeswalkers. So, I thought it was a great time to talk about All is Dust. So, All is Dust is a 7-drop, seven 7-colorless, seven tribal sorcery, Eldrazi. Very relevant in this deck, I might add. Um, pretty much reads, each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. So, we talked about how this is like a 40-artifact deck. So, they're the only... And you're really hedging your bets against yourself here, right? So, um, I talked with single Aaron. He's like, you should run this in any monocolored deck. And I was like... Yeah, maybe. But in this deck, the risk is worth the reward because nine times out of ten when you're casting this, even if it does bend a Tezzeret in your commander, you still have everything to go off of and your opponents may have literally nothing and they're like, great, I had this huge board of tokens or whatever and now I have Soul Ring, another Mana Rock, and another Mana Rock. So I guess I'll just try to rebuild if inefficient. And, and it has burned me before where like, sure. I'm playing against someone shows up and flips their commander and it's like Traxos. 
And I'm like, okay, it's Traxel's a bunch of, which is a bunch of mana rocks and swords or something. And then, right. I, you know, I draw all of dust on turn seven. I'm like, oh, that's not going to do yeah, anything this is, at this, all. This, 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 this <laughs> is a blank like card. Right. But for every one time that happens, there's, you know, 20 times where it leaves up two mana rocks for everybody else and leaves up, you know, nine things for me. Exactly. Uh, but the good news is, even when you do draw it as a blank card, it has some pretty baller flavor text. The emergence yeah, of the Eldrazi isn't necessarily a bad thing. As long as you've already lived a fulfilling and complete life without regrets from some yeah. relic hunter. So at least you have something to read and at least you have something to read and think of better times. But yeah, all all his dust is great. I'm really glad it's dropped in price. It used to be like a twenty dollar card, now you can pick it up for like five or seven. Um, definitely keep it on your radar there. Cool. Well, uh, Dane, I think Spellskite might have been one of your first ones. What is your last hops card? Uh, my last hops card here um, is probably gonna be Imprisoned in the Moon. We mentioned it before. Yeah. Uh, oh you know, yes. Not a lot of ways in black or blue to deal with planeswalkers. You, know, you have heroes downfall, a few things like that. But Imprisoned the Moon takes care of a planeswalker or a land, mm -hmm. which is some nice utility when someone drops that Cabal Coffers or even a Nykthos sometimes or a Core Haven sometimes yeah. can like cause you problems. Or, or like a lands out there. We we run we've run into this before. And we talked about this like glacial chasm starting to kind yeah. of make a run in our local that, play group, and it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. I hate so sometimes it. You, you just need to shut stuff off. And the fact yeah. that you can shut off someone's commander in this case as well and have them, they don't have a sacco, but it's just sitting there being a rock. So it's, it's again, the utility is amazing. It can do a lot of different things. And they, I, I, I would run two if I could run two of them. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So, you know, the interesting thing with me in this card, so if you guys aren't familiar, it's two colorless blue, enchantment aura, and, and like Dana just said, you can enchant a creature, land, or planeswalker, and then it's literally a colorless land yeah, that's a waste. <laughs> and as a, a, a waste. Um, and it loses all other card types and abilities. So, when I came back into Magic, because I also, Sweet McGee got me into playing, that would have been like 02, 03, 04, sometime around there. We literally played for like a year and a half, and then we uh, realized, hey, we like girls, we're going to leave that house not play cards uh and, and go drink and party uh so uh fast forward to when big tuck got me back into it that was right i think battle for zendikar had been out for a little bit mm -hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong i believe eldritch moon followed yes yep exactly yes. the sh so shadows eldritch over moon. Eldritch moon right after that yep yeah, so Eldritch Moon was kind of like the first full set that I was going to an LGS and participating in pre-releases. And I remember hearing, oh my gosh, they why did they give Blue this card? Blue doesn't need more team things like this. And I was thinking as like a noob, like, what? Like, it's a good card, but why, why is Blue overpowered? I don't understand. Now, as a seasoned, grizzled old man, you <laughs> made a boo-boo. Blue did not need this card. This card is filthy good. I think it's funny too, and we don't need to get into it, but of, of your so black is the premier creature removal. I think you have literally one black <laughs> removal spell in here, and the rest of them are all like the blue staples. So just funny how it's like, oh yeah, it certainly does. It certainly seems like a fair color to me. It was it was one of those things. I I, I think I had go for the throat in here like as removal yeah. for the longest time, and I had I think I did have heroes downfall, and I kept I kept finding situations where go for the throat wouldn't hit something that I needed it to hit. And and I eventually was like, is that going to be, like, do I care if I give someone a 3-3 pig? No. It ever gonna, it's just never relevant. So, yeah, weirdly enough, like, blue, in a blue-black deck, blue has the three best creature removal spells. 
Totally. Well, it, and so what's very interesting thing about that, Dana, is uh, Andrew from Ultra Budget Brews over on EDH Rec. Yeah. Um, he actually doesn't live that far from Kansas City. And so we actually got to sync up in OKC. We've kind of become friends now, and he's come up to KC and attended some of our crossover events. And when we had him on, he actually asked us the question, would you guys, like, prioritize black removal or like what kind of blue removal would you need to like go over a black? And we started thinking about it and he was actually like, look, if I'm building a blue black deck, most likely four or three of the top four removal cards that I'm probably going to throw in the deck are probably going to be blue. Mm -hmm. And he was listening off Pognify, rapid hybridization. It's like, holy crap. I think you're onto something there that blue probably does have the better (laughs) removal package if you can do it, which makes no sense. Right, right. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up that hot profile. Now we're going to head over to see how this filthy deck wins games. Big Tuck, start us off. What kind of degenerate way did you want to talk about? So um, this should be a pretty easy one to guess. Uh, as we've talked about before, I love modular cards. And even more than that, I love completely janky win cons. And this one does them <laughs> both. So we are talking fresh off the presses of Modern Horizons, Marodin Besieged. So two, yep. two colors in a blue. As it enters the battlefield, choose Mirren uh, or Frixian. Uh, Mirren, whenever you cast an artifact spell, create a 1-1 one, one colorless mirror artifact creature token. You're going to be doing that a lot, usually at a discount, usually many times a turn. So that in and of itself is like already your token generator, gives you your sack outlets to Ashnods, gives you die triggers to Vela, all that stuff, right? But... If you feel like getting a little crazy, you can go with Phyrexian. At the beginning of your end step, draw a card and then discard a card, which in of itself is literally what, um, there's one, there's a cons card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, there's one that's like Monastery Siege, that that's literally what it does, except that your upkeep. But uh, if there are 15 or more artifact cards in a graveyard, target opponent loses the game. <laughs> wow. Like straight out the headshot, you're out of the game. So I, I, like I said, I love having a choice. This card's a buck 20. Um, and even, even if you want to just go Phyrexian, it still gives you that card draw, right? So this, there's really like no lose on this. So if you're short on creatures, but you have a bunch of artifacts to dump out, you choose Mirren, right? If you're short on card draw, you can choose Phyrexian and start stacking up your graveyard. And then you also have that sweet alternate win con. So it, to me, it's like this card really does everything that this deck wants to. And the fact that it's end of turn is huge. Yes. Because you can just like, I mean, there's been multiple times when I've just top decked it and been like, well, that's what I got here. One, two, three, four. Oh, 16. Cool. All right. So I'm going to play. I'm going to set it to uh, Phyrexian and uh, pass a turn. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So have you, have you been able to, we always, we, this, so this is a recurring, like, there's a lot of things where it's like, say this, drink. And one of them that we've noticed that we kind of get bad with that we haven't done yet. Um, so I'm going to break that spell is, have you ever actually been able to trigger this with the 15 and, and outright just headshot somebody? I have multiple yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and awesome. actually, I, I streamed right before Christmas. I streamed with MTG Lexicon. Um, they had like a 24 hour stream, and I played this deck on their stream. And I actually screwed myself. Somebody had cast a board wipe the turn before. And I don't remember what I did, but I did something to save one of my artifact creatures. Oh. And then, and then top oh, decked no. and had 14 in my yard and had oh, no way to I couldn't, I couldn't get there. And it would have like killed the person who comboed out and won the next turn. I would have had a pretty good chance. And I, I so by trying to be cute and saving myself a thing, I lost, I, I didn't get the win. But yeah, I've done it 
uh, you know, three or four times I managed to kill somebody with it. Hell yeah. So like I said, easy slam dunk choice for me. It's modular, goofy win con. This is the tuck card wrapped up in a nice neat bow. Yeah, I remember when this card got previewed with Modern Horizons and I, I know the whole community got real excited because people love alternate win cons. Yeah. And really, I think th I think this is probably the easiest alternate win con to pull off because artifact decks like Dana has kind of talked about with his there's ways to sacrifice. There's ways to get them to the graveyard. I mean, heck, that's the whole reason Duretti, the red planeswalker, exists, is to be the best trash guy ever yeah. and constantly reuse and recycle those artifacts from the graveyard. So having this is just the most amazing alternate win con. I actually run it in my Brutaclad Seven Dwarf permanent deck uh, just to make the the you know the mirrors so I could turn those into seven dwarves because. Oh, sure. Nice. I, I, like, I like weird shit, so. <laughs> um, all right. Well, my first one, I mean, I love Planeswalkers. I love them so much. Yeah. Uh, Tezzeret, Master of Metal. Uh, he's so metal, bro. <laughs> totally metal, man. Uh, so it's four colorless Demir, Planeswalker Tezzeret. He's a murderer. Uh, comes in with five loyalty, and he has three abilities. He doesn't have four like the other ones. Sorry. Uh, you know, he's. I guess he's Lame. not as. I guess being the master of metal isn't as cool as being the master of the bridge. I guess it's yeah, cooler yeah. to be the bridge master. I disagree, but. Maybe, yes. maybe being the master of the bridge is so metal, it's more metal than being the master <laughs> of the bridge. Oh, oh. oh. Here we go. Next level story. The master of the metal. Then he built the bridge from that metal. Now that metal is the bridge. Ooh, there, we yes. there we go. Look yes. at that. Co there connecting the dots. So he says, plus one. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal an artifact card. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I, I, I like that card. It does a lot. It's one of these modality things that's definitely a grain. Um, you know, late in the game, it could definitely hurt to plus one it yeah. and get a mana rock. Like, that could kind of suck. But, you know, it... You have so many bangers in here that if you get one of those, it's just like, oh, plus one to hand and I'll probably play it for free or very cheap. Great. But here's why I personally believe this is probably in your East package. Minus three target opponent loses life equal to the number of artifacts you control. Yeah. Well, isn't that just a uh, poop in a handbasket? <laughs> oh, and I didn't mention he comes in with five loyalty. So literally just like the mirrored and besieged, you could play this. You have priority once it resolves, and you can activate it, and it's like, hey, you could try to target me and do something, but you're going to die if, yeah. if you do that. Right. And you kind of get to be uh, not the king maker, but I guess you just get to be the executioner. <laughs> Who's going to be on my chopping right. block? Um, and then I would assume the very less relevant, but Dana, correct me if I'm wrong, minus eight, gain control of all artifacts and creatures target opponent controls. I don't see you ever getting to that. Is I've that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And this so, is probably the closest there is to a spice card in the deck, really, because this this is one of the intro deck planeswalkers. This yeah. is like the one that you buy at, at Target <laughs> sure. that are intentionally six mana that aren't supposed to be good. And I saw it. I'm like, it's it's probably not the best card for the deck, but I I like Tezzeret. Like the, the, right, you know, yeah. a bunch of in here, and I'm like. It works well enough, and I get to run an intro deck. If I can kill someone and say, you just died to one of the intro deck Planeswalkers, that's worth it. I felt like that's worth it. Uh, speaking of Executioner, we'll also be talking about this card in a little bit. No, come on. We are just not on the same page. Well, Dana, what is your first game winner card that you want to point out? Um, Masterful Replication. 
is a modular card. Yep, uh, that was one of mine as well. This one, like this one and we can wrap this up perfectly because this was actually what I chose for my spice to talk about. Okay. So, oh, perfect. There we go. Nailed it. It is six mana. It's, it's five and a blue for an instant. You can choose one of two modes. Uh, the first one is create two three three colorless golem artifact creature tokens. That's fine at instant speed if you're desperate. I, I, I've done right, it yeah. once in a situation when I needed to. Um, however, the mode that I use the vast majority of the time is choose target artifact you control, and each other artifact you control becomes a copy of that artifact until end of turn. Also, there's plenty of times I've been like, oh, I guess I'm going to have 14 worm coil engines now. <laughs> right. I was just, so again, it's another one of those like, what like what's the craziest? So like, what was worm coil engine the best thing that you've been able to pull and like? Copy with this thing, or have you gotten to get like one of your big, big boys? I, I, I've done um, the the most memorable one is, was a worm coil engine. I think it was out of Vegas last year. Actually, someone was playing. A guy had already built a, a an updated version of the um, Populate deck. I can't remember the commander's, commander's name. Oh, I actually, I actually, yeah, I actually played that guy, Geared. Yeah. Um, he, so he, yeah, he, he, he showed he, up to Vegas for the release with his deck yep. built for, for gear. <laughs> it, ju- and it just needed the gear. Released, he <laughs> slots the commander and was good to go. So he wound up, I, I can't remember, is it Godsire? That's a, uh, out of Alara was in there. Yep. And he had enough. At one point, he was at like 200 and some life. Um, so so to kill him, I wound up, I had Vela out, and I turned all my artifacts into a worm coil engine slammed into him for you know 160 damage and had to sacrifice all of them to an actual altar to do vela damage they kicked out double token so then they made you know 20 oh, oh, right. <laughs> that i could then sack enough and i like was enough to cut through his wow. life or something that's my kind of win wow. right there. that's awesome that's a pro play yeah, real pro play so yeah, you know that's a card that honestly, like, see, Tuck, I would disagree. I don't even consider this could be a spice card because I look at it once again. We love the modality, yeah. like Dana mentioned. It's like six mana, save your life potentially mm-hmm. if you just need the two, three, three blockers, yeah. um, or six mana, you probably win the game, right? Or very, very close. Now, granted, Dana, that wouldn't win in our play group because we're just a bunch of pillow forts apparently now, and no one swings in. <laughs> oh my gosh, and just like ghostly prison. Uh, it's terrible, but I can see how in uh, people that are actually fun to play with, this would be a great card. I just like, and mostly I want to put it in the, in the spice just to hear like what was, because like you don't, a card like this in my experience, especially when you have like limited, more limited decks where I'm guessing you're actually playing this deck more than like once every four months, like right. half of mine. Um, so like I'm sure, I, I put it in here mostly because I could just ask the perfect question of have as a as a host, has X, Y, and Z ever happened? So, uh, that's think, perfect. I think when I first added it, it was with the thought process that I will play until I get one good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time I've cast it, it's been like an interesting story for the most part. Right. Like, so it's yeah. just always stayed in the deck because it's always funny or always does something dumb or interesting. Love it. Cool. Well, uh, Tuck, what is your last win con? So this is another goofy one. And I'm glad you like we we talk a lot about how like well, there's cards that we've loved so much. But when it comes down to donuts, we're like, ah, 
ah, we can find something better. So I really appreciate the, the tact and the patience of putting this in here. So we are talking about our boy Mishra Self Replicator. So I think this card's really great. Um, five colorless for a 2-2 artifact creature assembly worker, which is stupid because you kind of have a, a sub construct theme in the deck, I've noticed, like a little bit of a one, <laughs> yep. right? So there's a card that I was going to put in that you already had. Um, so it kind of sucks that it doesn't fit that bill. Uh, but whenever you cast, I guess that it makes sense because Mishra's factory turns into an assembly worker that's a 2-2 but whenever you cast a historic spell you may pay one if you do create a token that's a copy of mission self-replicator so a lot of times like we talked about you're going to be casting artifacts for free this gives you a free outlet for mana and then you have this you have karn which we talked about um and we didn't get into it unfortunately but like the antiquities war well that's like kind of your backup your backup win con if you can't get into your worm coal engines or your mirror battle balls of the world this is the way that you can kind of churn out these tutus they're good for blockings they can take care of elves sorry squee they can block zombies um but when you do get up into that like you, all your artifacts turn into something else um, or become whatever, then that's where this really goes off. So I like I'm really I'm really proud of you that you that you decided to keep this one in here. I, I think it wound up replacing. Um, I had a precursor golem in here for mm. a while, which when it comes into play makes golems. And at that point in time, I was running rudder replication still. Oh right, right. So, right. so that gave me you know not only did it make three bodies, which was useful in this deck, I could hit a red replication, and then it would turn into you know I forget the math. It was like thirty six copies. It would make or something. <laughs> right. Um, but I took out right because the problem with that was just hitting Vela with it usually just killed the table because oh. it would make five Velas, which would see each other and all die and just deal 30 damage to everybody immediately. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that's pretty good. a situation where, like, if you have a tutor in the deck, that just becomes the, like... The fact that win not winning the game by not going to get it. Yeah. So I pulled the right application, in which case Precursor Golem came out, and I wanted something that made bodies, and I just happened, like, you know, Dominaria came out, and I'm like, well, I'll try it and see what happens. And again, it's one of those cards that I can... I've done enough dumb things with it in the past where... If I make a copy and sacrifice it to alter, then I have two mana and I can use that because I have Tezrit out and I can cast this thing for free. Right, yeah. And then make four copies and then skull clamp one of them and draw two more cards to hit me another artifact. Like, there's enough times when you can like just get a bunch of dumb things happening. That's right. absolutely worth having around. Yeah, I know. It's great. So I, I I think I saw this in a draft a million years ago and I was like, oh, that's really cool, but just haven't quite found a home for it yet. So it's good to hear, A, that you kept it in and B, that it's actually like done the work for you, right? Which is like the and ultimate... It's so and it's so cheap, you could just go. I went and bought like 10 more copies to use for the tokens. <laughs> oh, wow. It just happened a different color sleeve. So, like, when I make one, I just put the, put the card right in, the, in play and it's there's a the token. Right, right, right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I did the, I did the same thing with my Seven Dwarf Tribal. Uh, actually, uh, oh, I, I believe it was Besh, uh, part of our patron community, actually sent me like three or four foil uh, Seven Dwarves that I can use oh, nice. for my tokens. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. But no, you know what? You guys literally hit all of the points that I was going to talk about. It was one of those cards that initially at first glance it was like uh five mana for a two two and then you pay one and make a copy like all right they're sure there's better things but once you start kind of like looking more into the deck and and i think the kind of cool thing about it dana is whether it's the you know tesseret master of metal kill because you have 10 of these self-replicators out there or even someone board wipes because you have 10 or 15 of them and then you get your vela damage it's kind or no one does anything and you just swing in and kill it right it, it's 
it, it's gonna do something no matter what, unless someone plays that one uh, uh, instant card. It's like exile target permanent or target non-land permanent and all others that share the same name. Oh, that yeah. would kind of suck. Uh, but you know, you'd still get your Vela damage, but you just wouldn't get the other stuff. Um, but no, it's a, it's a very cool card. I don't know if I have a home for it really anywhere other than maybe I could throw it in my seven dwarf deck just because I could pay the one and make more token right. copies because they are tokens. Um, so yeah, no, that's a cool yeah, card. I thought, I thought about it, putting it in an, uh, Brea, but again, it's just like, ah, it's like way too fringe for it. So it's awesome. So sure. it's good to hear that, like I said, that you've actually like seen it work, right? Which is unheard of in a lot of our decks that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dana, what is your last kind of game winner card that you want to point out? Uh, the last one I will probably point out here, um, and we talked about Karn, but I don't know how fascinating Karn is. Everyone just makes artifacts into bodies. Right. Um, Revel and Riches does a lot of work in this deck. Um, you know, people tend to immediately start counting. First of all, when you drop Revel and Revel and Riches, it's starting to go, what are you going to do over there? Um, but again, it's a thing that does double duty here. Yeah, it's a win condition sometimes. And there's times when you drop it and then play a board wipe or something, and like just people can't. It's an enchantment. It sometimes just sticks around because no one has an answer. Yeah. But there's also plenty of times when it just makes me six artifacts, and that's enough to do damage with a Tezzeret to kill somebody and put me in a position to win a game just right. because it's, it's it's making raw artifacts. Those are things I can turn into something else with mass replication. Yeah. It just does enough utility that the, the win condition is just a bonus on it. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I think Revel and Riches, if you have, not creature heavy, but if you play what I would consider a standard EDH deck of 25-ish creatures, I think that's pretty pretty yeah. in the middle, uh, and you have and you have black, you should probably have a Revel of Riches in there. And and Dana, you alluded this to this to earlier, and I'm sure you've probably talked about it on one of your other uh, podcasts that you're a part of, but something we've, we haven't talked about it officially, we've just kind of talked about it behind closed doors. Wizards now, knowing that the EDH community is as big as it is, and we're the ones pouring money into a lot of these products for the most part, uh, I don't really hear people that play standard buying boxes. I hear them buying singles, but I hear EDH players buying boxes because it's like, oh, there's like 50 cards I want out of this right. set. A box, you know, makes sense for me. Um, I feel like Wizards now has created too many cards, very pigeonholed and focused for Commander, to where now we have, we've actually stopped using the word staple on this podcast because we think it gets thrown around too much. Yeah. So we have, you know, Soul Ring is a staple because it can literally go in every deck and there's no reason you shouldn't have it in a deck other than maybe mono green. That's it. Sure. Uh, but we started using the word standard more. Like this works in a lot of these decks, but maybe not for every deck. And I feel like Revelin Riches is one of those standards where if you have 25 plus creatures, why wouldn't you have a Revel and Riches in the deck? It's never and, gonna be bad. Right. But see, for me, it's 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 interesting. It's a great card. I'm I'm glad they have it. Just like a smothering tithe. I'm glad sure. they have it. But now we have so many of these types of cards to where, okay, I'm gonna build Orzov. Well, I should probably have a Revel and Riches. Well, I probably need a Soul Ring. Well, I probably need a Smothering Tithe. I probably need a Arcane Signet. You know, you know, a land tax, tax, right? Like, right. Yeah. A land tax. And eventually you're, oh, I should have these because these colors need these. It's like, oh, I can only play around with like 15 cards in the deck. Like the deck's really not unique i don't know what are your thoughts yeah. on these cards that are just like I, standards or staples now i literally wrote an article about this on edh rec uh back in january because 
uh, Joey Schultz on EDH Redcast, we we give each other a challenge for like the new year. Okay, this year I want you to do this thing. And one oh, of the yeah. things he challenged me to was to build a popular commander deck with a popular commander. Sure. So uh, I'm like, okay. So I went through the list and I wanted to build an exalted deck for a while. So I'm like, you know what? Okay. Kenrith, Kenrith seems he's popular. I can just play every single exalted creature and nothing else. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's five color. I can just sure. run everyone, even like the bad black ones. And the blue <laughs> ones. Sure. Sure. Or one red goblin. So I'll, I'll just make that for my challenge deck from him. The problem I really had was that same exact thing in five color, like in a two color deck, I think we're still limited enough that you can kind of run the quote unquote staples. Hey, I'm playing sure. black, white. I will throw in a land tax and a Sylvan library and a smothering tithe. And, you know, for removal, I'll run generous gift and beast within sure. and source of plowshares and path. And, and then you still have plenty of slots to, to plan things out five color deck and i'm starting to like you know okay i, I always want to run this in black and this right, in white and yeah. this in blue and i'm like okay i'm at i'm at 192 cards now like, <laughs> go from here oh uh, you just play, you just like, play no you just play yorian as your uh as your I companion guess, right, and then right. the problem solves itself so no that's absolutely something i think it, particularly in in for me mentally i really like that was difficult yeah. to finally to say maybe this deck doesn't need a beast within right right <laughs> when in a two-color deck i'm always running beast within so there was yeah, a that's there's a really funny uh loading ready run skit where someone went to modern and he's just playing mon mono dece and every card in his deck is like yeah pretty dece <laughs> like yeah it's pretty good right <laughs> so it's like five color kenrith every card's like yeah all right like okay yeah sure <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. You know, and that, that's something that actually is very challenging for me. And I've started recently, Dana, putting deck restrictions kind of like you have. Like when I, I needed to build Is It for the longest time and just a lot of it was like, oh, I guess I could go combo, but that's super boring. Uh, and so, you know, when I heard CCO do their Seven Dwarf Tribal uh, with Bruticlad, I was like, that's interesting. But I, but still, there's Cyclonic Rift and Counterspell and Mana Drain right. and Force of Will right. because I don't like to play bad decks. I like to play things that are good. But I've started to do these restrictions, so that way I can't just do the staples and standards and just have them in there. Um, and I, and I, I wish we didn't have to put these extra restrictions on ourselves because there were so many of these amazing cards, but that's kind of where we're at, and I don't see it slowing down anytime right. soon. Definitely. It's going to continue to go that direction since as they keep making cards just for Commander. And, and like I think... Well, yeah. Commander in mind, for sure. And I think like a, the best recent example is like Arcane Signet, right? Like that's just pretty much... If yeah. you really... If you're really trying yeah. to build a good efficient deck so that soul ring command tower right those are three cards that should be in Boom. every deck or whatever you know the most of them and you're like okay so now i really only have 96 cards plus my commander right and you just right. keep adding sure. these things on top of it so i believe you forgot man no, that's fair Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Die. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. Ryan Brando will love that shout out. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the yeast package. Now we're going to head over to the non-existent spice package. But I did type up and I do want to ask Dana a question. So this deck doesn't have spice like the way that we kind of look at it to where, you know, I look at this deck and to me, like a random spice card I could think of would be like Ultra of the Brood. You're not, you're not necessarily making tons of tokens. It is an artifact, so it kind of so so that's a that's a spice card for me and that's kind of actually how we created that category was sometimes that there's these cards
cards that you just kind of put in a deck because you just either have a weird affinity for it or it's like every time I run white, I'm just going to put this in here just because. Um, so I'm curious. In the way that you deck build, do you have cards that kind of fit the way that we describe these spices that you have in decks? Or for the most part, do you try to, as you said, you're always tweaking and kind of tightening the, the bolt. Is that kind of more your, your deck building style? I usually try to find a home for like one or two pet cards in a deck. So in my Sphinx deck, I'm running... Um, Psychic Possession, which is an enchantment you put on someone else, and whenever they draw a card, you draw a card. Oh, oh nice. yeah. for, for four mana, there's probably something better <laughs> you can pick um, in that slot. But it's such sure. a fun card when like someone plays a Sylvan Library, and then like I top deck that, and I'm like, I'm gonna put it on you because I'll get to draw three <laughs> cards whenever you Sylvan Library. Um, so that's what like that's one. Um, okay. I'm building an Orzhov deck right now. Um, that's a Pestilence deck, and I love Righteous War. It's an old enchantment that says okay. white creatures you control get pro black, and black creatures you oh, control. Oh, we were just talking white. about that. <laughs> that was just and you know thing. it's it's like a backbreaking card, but like it's really annoying for your opponents too, and like they're looking at your your black white commander, and they're like I can't target that with anything. Um, yeah. So, like, again, I could probably put that slot to better use, but it's such a fun card, and it, like, messes up everyone's <laughs> sure. math. So I usually try to find a slot for something, you know, one or two things like that. It just, in this deck, I I guess, I said I didn't have any, but I guess you can kind of say that the the bio, or the, the intro deck Tezzeret mm-hmm. is, and maybe the, the um, self-replicator is. So I, I have, a, I guess, a couple, but they usually are still somewhat on theme with what I'm doing. Sure. Yeah, and you know, and that and that makes perfect sense um, because you know that's the way. I, if you just have something completely out of left field that just makes no sense at all, then it's like, uh, what are you doing here? Uh, I mean, I you could almost argue just because it's not like you have tons of sacrifice outlets that Revel and Riches is kind of a spice card to an extent because sure. it's your deck isn't right. necessarily like a death and taxes. Um, it's more of a. It's a good card like we talked about, and it's like, if you have it in the colors and you make it all these creatures like you are, you should have it. But, you know, is it fitting exactly what this Vela artifact thing is? No, I will point, but it does make artifacts, so it kind of fits. I will point out that Rebel and Riches does say whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, not one you control. Oh, that's right. That's right. Noob. All <laughs> Let's right. Let's say it in. Well, now we're gonna head over to <laughs> now we're gonna head over to the bottle capping. Uh, these are gonna be Big Tucks, Dana's, and myself. So we're gonna cut a card from the deck, and we're gonna add a card to the deck, which was so hard yeah, to this do. Was, this was uh, super hard. But it's hard. gonna be a. a under $5 ad, under $50 ad, and we're going to do a personal recommendation that actually has no budget, and I took full advantage of that today, because what better than Artifacts Matter to just break the bank? <laughs> um, so, Tana, I want, I want to start with you. What card do you want to cut, and what card would you like to add? Uh, if I were to make a cut from the deck, um, it, it's effective, but I would probably pull Shambling Suit Mm-hmm. Or to make a I cut. Am, yep. Cut that a construct, as well. But it's just a vanilla beater body. And if I don't, if I have a bad board state, it's useless. If I don't have Vela out, it's relatively yeah. useless. There's been <laughs> yeah. times it's been, it's been fantastic. And there's been times it doesn't do much. So it's, it's one that if I were, were to make a cut, that would be the one I would take out, I think. Yeah, and you know what's interesting thing about that, Dana, is when we did my Lord Windgrace deck, I cut the basically shambling suit uh, in Gruul, where it's, it's like, a star and I think four. Yeah, it's uh, a voice, voice of Zendikar or something like that, right? 
Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I ended up cutting him for the same thing, because like you, uh, now granted, at least your commander did some evasion of some kind, but in Windgrace, I'm going to have 15, 20 lands, easy, but what good is a 15 or 20 when it doesn't have trample right? or right. have any type of evasion? So I, I, that's the reason that I was choosing to cut it as well, because... It's basically very narrow. It, you get your commander. Yes, you could dome someone, but if you don't, if, then if it had cool. something like menace or even like right. reach, anything. vigilance, anything besides just that, I, I still like it. And again, it's from uh, freaking Eldraine, so I, I yeah. was about to bring it up because we were way. It's off always on fun that. running an un uncommon too, so you're not like just a slave to mythics and rares. It's nice to have those kind of things. Yeah. Well, what card do you want to add? So if we're talking a, a relatively budget card here, is that what this is? Yep, um, yep under five bucks. And we I, do use EDH rec uh, dollars and cents. So whatever you guys tell us it costs, that's what we believe in. We don't believe in this uh, crazy price fixing cards exploding in value that we're living hoax. in today. Um, it is a hoax. One I've thought about trying before, and, and I've never actually run in the deck, is Semblance Anvil, uh -huh. which is an old artifact. I think it's from the first Mirrodin block. Um, as imprint, it's three mana. When someone's Anvil enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-land card from your hand. Spells you cast that share a card type with the exiled card costs two less to cast. So I have oh, okay. a few cost redu reducers in here and exile an artifact creature with it then both my artifacts and my creatures cost you less to cast. I think it's better I think it's better than Cloud Key to be honest in this deck because again there's always the odd thing where you might have an instant or sorcery with it or creature but I think this will really kind of help you with your artifacts which is in reality how this deck is going to win. Right. So it's yeah, it's one I've like looked at a bunch of times, and, and I always then mentally go, okay, am I going to have it in my hand on turn three or something, and not want to lose, not want to cast it because all I'm holding is Worm Coil Engine for artifact creatures. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But but I think it's also one of those cards. Sometimes you can't see how well a card plays until you play it. Oh, like yeah. you have to just grind reps to see how it works. And I think that's yeah. one I just have to put it in the deck and get some reps in. Yeah, no, I I agree, you know, uh, Tuck may be onto something to where maybe it is better than the Cloud Key. Um, yeah, maybe. You know, but I do agree that, that the... Um, Man, you 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 have so much mana and so much reduction in here. Like, does this deck just like explode on turn six? I when feel like that, by that when it gets to that point, it really does turn a corner pretty quickly. It can. I, I, I feel I, like you never have to forge out with a little bit of luck. I can start playing artifacts sure. at the top for next to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel like by turn six, you're basically living on welfare to where everything is free and you never have to actually pay anything, quote unquote, turn land sideways. So yeah, for sure. That, that's interesting. So uh, I'll go ahead and kind of shift Shambling Suit up since you were cutting it as well. That was one of my cuts, all the same reasons. And I actually want to cut it for a card that I got to pop off. Uh, I did not own it. I did not have to do its condition, but I did this on uh, Commander 99's uh, stream uh, channel about a month ago. I think you should add in an Elbrus, the Binding Blade. Ooh. So this is seven colorless legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus so. When a quick creature deals combat damage to a player, unattach Elbrus, the Binding Blade, then transform it. It costs one to equip. So before I go into the transform side, it's 
a lot of mana to cast. It's only getting plus one and it's no evasion, but your commander does have built-in evasion. And I do think that with the way that you can do cost reductions, there's probably gonna be someone that you can swing at with one of your creatures and get the damage through. But it turns into Withinger the Unbound. It's a black legendary creature large. demon, 1313, <laughs> flying, intimidate, trample. And whenever a player loses the game, put 13 plus one plus one counters on Withinger Unbound. So a few things, A, I feel like if you're able to do this the right way, you get him out, you're gonna just start probably killing people that very next turn. So that, that's kind of number one. Number two, the biggest way you get rid of him is for people to use targeted removal. Exile, that's one thing. Uh, but if they bounce it to your hand, most likely at that point, you're just gonna be able to cast the um, Elbrus for very, very cheap or nothing. If they throw it to the graveyard, you have a couple ways to get gravy or graveyard recursion with your artifacts. So you'll just get it back. Um, and it still kind of feeds your deck and kind of gives you this alternate win con to where Dana, you had mentioned, you know, hey, I can, I gotta give everything intimidate to kill this person. Then I can sack everything to kill this person. Well, as you're killing people, he's getting bigger and bigger. And then it's like, hey, I just swing in with a 39, 39 and you're dead. So I, th I think that'd be a very cool inclusion. And yes, on Car Kingdom, it is over $5, but EDH Rex says it's trending at $3.16. And so I take that. I will. That's a card that will be worth. Again, that's a good story. Yeah. If you get it to work once, it's worth running it in a deck to try it out. I will. Yeah. I, I will absolutely give that one a try. Um, I'm looking through my stuff right now. I have one here. <laughs> Ooh, uh, there we go. A day. So I will leave it out. I will find a slot for it and give it a try. Absolutely. I want to because I, I want to see what it does. Yeah. So for sure, that's a good call. Cool. Well, Tuck, what are you going to cut and what are you going to So add? as mentioned earlier, I'm actually going to cut Cloud Key. So I think you have enough reduction in this deck to where it doesn't really matter. And the thing I don't like about it is that you want to be aggressive with this deck. You want creatures to die in this deck. And Cloud Key doesn't really do that much. Um, I'm, and again, it doesn't sound like you get to this level of the game. But I also feel like this might be kind of a dead draw later in the game, right? Where like the mana reduction doesn't really matter. Sure. So and there's I really kind of want to lean a little bit more on the theme of like sacking things and bringing them back so i'm actually going to cut it for a card which is one of my personal favorites scrap trawler so three colorless for an artifact creature and it's a construct so you can go tutor for it of course when it or another <laughs> artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost so again you have your crack clan ironworks right and just with that, you can kind of get, you could potentially get a loop where you're cycling out things, um, you know, you're putting things in your graveyard, bringing them back, casting them for next to nothing. And once you get up to your bigger things, we didn't talk about it, but like I think Metalwork Colossus is one of my favorite cards, but I just can't find a home for it. But if you can kind of get a loop going with Metalwork Colossus where you're draining, attacking, making it a really big threat, I think Scrap Trawler is really going to help you push through that. Again, the only thing that the downside is, is like you do run a lot of tokens and those don't really do much for you. Um, but right. even if you do your yeah. Karn thing where you turn things, you, you're able to turn things into artifact creatures, sack them, burn people for Vela, bring back something that's less than that, sack them to the Karak clans, and you can kind of get like a sub loop going. Um, and I just think like having more graveyard recursion in this deck is really key. I like well, that. And, and, uh, yeah, and an interesting thing with Scaff Trawler is I actually came across this, I think, I think it was during our own play group, is technically when, say, you sack your... Um, 
I don't know, Metalwork Colossus. We'll just sure. go with that. And if it's potentially the only target in your graveyard, when it hits, then you just immediately return that to hand. And then if you're casting it for next to nothing or free, that could actually just be an infinite loop right there of, right. hey, unless you can stop this with Vela out, you all are just going to get drained out and die. Um, and I am always a big proponent, Dana, of, yeah, it's cool if, hey, I win the deck this one singular way. But that mindset to me is more CEDH to where the deck sure, is so strong. Yeah streamlined that I got to win this way right. and I'm getting there as quick as I can. I think in all other EDH, having seven or eight different ways to actually close out the game makes a playing the deck more fun because there's always something new happening. It's not like, oh, I just win this. Um, and if people disrupt it, which they should be, you have other ways to fall back on it. So no, that's actually a very cool yeah, pickup like there. And, and, and what you just said is the main reason I, I picked this deck and why I have liked it so much lately in particular is because it does close games every game does feel different mm -hmm. how i kill mm -hmm. people is often you know one of those things or a mix of those things um which absolutely is uh, what's beautiful about this format definitely so i just like cool. like i said i thought cloud key was a little narrow um yeah. but you know it's your deck <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for an under $50, um, Dana, what is a card that you just want to cut from the deck? And then what is an under $50 card addition that you would like to add or you think would be cool to add? Um, I, I don't know if if I would pull it. Um, you know, Arcbound Ravager is really, really useful, but it's not what it is in in the modern right, yeah. deck. It's useful <laughs> sure. in this deck, and I like <laughs> it. But I, but I, it's also one of those cards I never quite feel like it's an absolute bomb. So if I was going to again pull something out, I, I could, I could make that cut. I think, and, and probably wouldn't miss it too badly. Um, Man, however, the free sack outlet though—that's pretty free nice. Sack and it's a construct, so you can go get it with. Um, what is the the new thing that you can sacrifice a creature to go find a construct? Um, Arcbound, not Arcbound. Uh, uh, what was it? I had this. Uh, scrapyard Recombiner. Yeah. Scrapyard Recombiner. Well, no, well known in the EDH community, let's say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and there's a, quite a few constructs. Just coincidentally, like, I didn't plan that. I just got Scrapyard Recombiner and looked. I'm like, oh, I just so happen to have 11 constructs in here. It just worked out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's not bad, but it also doesn't really tend to win games. And if I didn't have it, I would sure. be fine. One card I wouldn't mind trying that I've looked at in the past is um, Michelsynth Golem. Um, again, Mirrodin artifact creature. It's a f it's only a four or five for eleven. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of mana. However, it has affinity for artifacts, which is very useful oh, here. Nice. And artifact creature spells you play gain affinity for artifacts. Wow, and it's seventeen dollars right now. <laughs> yes, not a cheap. Which is why I haven't tested it out. I don't think. Right. And, and despite the fact that like this deck is relatively pricey, it's also cards <laughs> I tended to have. Like sure. I, from collections I have bought from somebody or, you know, when I played in a year when I just so happened to get this kind of thing. So it, it's, you know, a pricey deck, but $17 is $17. Like, that's a good right. bit of money. So I, I haven't ever got the card because if I don't know how it's going to play, I don't know if I want to make that kind of investment just to test it out. But yeah, in a hypothetical world, I guess I could. I, should, I would like to proxy this up and give it a roll to see how well. It now, works. if you want to do a pro gamer move, you could transition this from slight construct to full on golem trial, and then just go insane with the golems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, you know, and Dana, I think you make a good point. You know, if let's. 
this is a terrible example because there's always a home for it, but I think it makes my point. Ristic study. If it was just sure. like, oh, you know, I'd like to put a Ristic study in here, but I don't know if I want to spend the $30 or $25 for this deck. The thing with that kind of card is that there's always yeah. a home for it. Yes. The issue with Mycosynth Golem is if it doesn't work the way that you want it to, there's not just a home. Like, oh, I'll take it out of here and immediately slam it in this deck and I'm good as gravy. You have to have that very specific artifact deck to really make it work. Rhystic Study actually is, is kind of a meta rule of mine. I can only have one in a deck at a time. <laughs> not even because it's because oh, wow. it's, it's annoying. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing card that can go any blue deck, and it's also annoying. So I've set a hard rule for myself. I will only ever run Rhystic Study in one I will, deck. I will also say um, we had Sheldon Meanery on this podcast almost a year ago, it seems like. And he was... No, it's been like six well, months. Well, it feels like six years. But he even he was like, hey, can I curse on this podcast? We're like, oh, yeah, I'll let it rip. And he's like, Rhystic Study. <laughs> <laughs> I, we actually played with him last night. He was on the EDA Trekcast stream, so we had nice. to play some games last night. That's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, my under 50, here, here's the thing. Oh, here um, we go. <laughs> Mid-cast, mid I actually pivoted, and now I don't know what to cut. And I thought I picked the right one, but then I went through and counted, and it's not the right one. <laughs> but I've, I've been searching, and I still can't find anything. So I was going to say cut Skull Clamp. I don't have a good wow. reason why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any good reasons. Cut and Skull Clamp. I don't, oh, I don't, I don't, you need to listen to the Reese episode. I did it. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't say this often, but Mr. Combo, I respect you for that. I respect you for sticking to your guns <laughs> like, a, like a professional. I, I'm, I'm going to cut it. Uh, here, here's the thing i know that there are ways to make a lot of one ones but your deck isn't built on one ones that's Correct. not really what it's built on so i think if you cut skull clamp you have enough card draw i don't think you're gonna miss it that much just me but i'm gonna add in a card that um you know what I think you like to play artifacts when you play this deck, but what's yeah. even better than playing your own artifacts? Playing your opponent's artifacts. Ooh. So I think you should put in a quiet. Yeah. Okay. So three colorless blue blue sorcery. Search target opponent's library for an artifact card and put that card into play under your control. Then that player shuffles his or her library. I think that's a slam dunk in this deck, just because you do have so many ways to turn all of your artifacts into whatever artifact. So who's to say, you know, it's like, oh, you're playing Joda. You probably have some big filthy thing in there. Let me go ahead and target you with that. Because initially I was thinking bribery would be good, right. but I wanted to stick to your artifact kind of uh, restriction. Sure. So I, and you know, initially I was thinking Thada Adele would be a good one, but once again, stick to that artifact restriction. I think Acquire could actually kind of A, open up your deck and just make it maybe even a little bit more fun. Heck, if you played Squee, his race deck, you could go get a, um, oh, what's the, uh, all your creatures get plus one, plus one, and flying indestructible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eldrazi Monument. You go get an Eldrazi yeah, Monument and Dana, you're probably killing someone. Right. Yeah. Or a Chromos Memorial. There's just so many back-breaking artifacts that you've done such a good job tuning your deck, you don't have slots for, but this opens up all the well, slots. Well, what's better than one Dark Seal uh, Colossus as opposed to, like, 15, right? right, right. right. <laughs> I, I will say, I will wait on testing Acquire until I can actually see the person's deck I'm playing with once, yes. the, once the world is semi-back to normal. Yeah. Right now, I will. Uh, I don't want to try to look through someone's deck over a webcam. Fair enough. But that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, so that's actually interesting. Uh, 
Dana, I have my mono blue on my path to 32 is actually Empress Galena. And okay. I had refused to play her through the quarantine because it just it's too complicated. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I finally gave in and did it. And let's just say from the start of that game to whenever I blacked out because I was in the tank, uh, <laughs> it was just too much. And I came downstairs the next day. I had taken basic lands and scribbled on them because I had gone through all my dry erase tokens. <laughs> my board was just scattered. I think there was a house plant on fire. Uh, the whole world had gone under trying to play other people's cards on this distance thing. So I respect you for that. But I do think once you can play an IRL, yeah. this would be a great card. Good call. All right. Well, Big Tuck, what is your under 50 cut and recommendation? So, as we mentioned earlier, I am going to cut Tezzeret Master Metal. I do think it's cute. Um, and again, these were really hard cuts, but I was like, his uh, bridge version, I think, is just better at the six drop. You have plenty of card draw. You have ways sure. to get in the red zone. And again, I want to focus on creatures. So, uh, this is a pet card of. Former friend of the show slash maybe another listen, Mikhail. Uh, we're going to slot in Ancient Stone he has Idol. Listened. Oh, well, okay. Well, I guess I, I think in my face. So Ancient Stone Idol is 10 mana, 12-12 uh, with flash. But, just you wait. Uh, this spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature. As we made mention, we're getting in the red zone. We're attacking with Intimidate. So then you have a 12-12 Trample, which in and of itself is a very juicy target for copying and making other things across. It's not like a Darkseal Colossus or whatever. But when it dies, create a 6-12 Colorless Construct Artifact Creature Token with Trample. So you're, if, if, if you want to go more of like the sit back and accumulate your army then burn people out, then Tezzeret might be the way to go. But for me... I like this idea, and even in your comments, you even put where it's like, uh, verbatim, unblockable creature beats, sometimes supplemented by things like Karn or the Antiquities War. So leaning into that, worst case scenario, you attack with five, you're paying five for for a 12-12 Trampler, that when it dies, it sort of replaces itself, and then because you have your artifact recursion, you can now get this back up into your hand, into the fray. So for me, if you're gonna go more of like the beat route face, I think this is one that's really gonna get you there. And the best part is it's like $2. And you probably have one line around from your commander product from 2018. I think I do. Excellent. So I just thought it's like, we wanna go, <laughs> if we wanna go a big creature, this is your boy. Okay. I like it. I'll give it a look. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that, that that's pretty interesting, and I think that can even maybe work into you know we kind of talked about your uh, other recommendation, Tuck the Scrap Trawler. You know, you sack this guy, you get your six twelve, but then boom, he's back to hand, right, and yeah. then you know you, you might be able to do some sort of rigmarole to where it's like, oh, now I constantly got stuff that I'm right. I'm doing this in and out, um, and I'm all about infinite combos. So <laughs> cool. Well, uh, let's head over to personal recommendations. This has no budget. Dana, what are you going to cut and what are you going to add? Uh, knowing that if you won the lottery and you could spend all the money in the world uh, and it's EDH. And legal. before you say something, let me, because I thought about this too. We do have a restriction of if you're going to put a land in, it cannot, it has to be a utility land. There's a there's a sixteen hundred dollar land that would be really good in this deck. So <laughs> right before yes. before you get too crazy, uh, the the cut I would make and, and it's actually probably technically a downgrade. Um, I would pull demonic tutor out and replace it with transmute artifact. Oh, from from way back in it, which which is basically tinker on a spell. Right. Let's you yep. sacrifice an artifact and go get one just thematically. 
I would like to make that replacement and have that in the deck. Yeah. D- D- Demonic Tutor then, because then I feel like I could run like Rider Application and not have to deal with the temptation <laughs> of going to get it every time. So I, I, I would like the restriction on it, but it's also, I want to say, like $150 too. Yeah. 180 now. 180 So that doesn't feel great downgrading your tutor <laughs> just for thematic reasons. But I, I will say this. If you do get this, it is on the reserve list, so you would own a piece of magic history. Probably not going to go down in value. Very true. <laughs> Now that's uh, that's interesting. You know that's uh, you know I, I've been blessed enough in life to where I have a really good job, and you know I definitely don't. I try not to buy like these really everything. Okay. I got thirty four of them. I've tried. I've started a proxy Gaia's Cradle. Uh, I can't. I can't afford more than four. Uh, but this is a card that I've honestly I've looked at, and I think that's because Dana. I am stuck in this weird thing of I don't really have an artifact centric deck and i love acquiring pieces of magic history um i just sure. think it's so cool well like we talked about in our joda episode last week uh big tuck made an amazing recommendation of time yes, spiral uh and it's like dude can you just imagine like yes it's an expensive card but if you could sit down and play that in irl or i guess even stream people will be like whoa i've never seen one of those before right and i've always felt that way about transmute artifact it's just like gosh once again kind of like when we talked about your microsynth golem or even that's just 18 dollars. but if you spend that it doesn't work in the deck then you're just like i right. don't have a home right. for it same thing with transmute artifact i it's like i could get one and like maybe pigeonhole it somewhere right. If it doesn't work, I just got this expensive card going to sit in a binder, and that does nothing for me. When that that money could have gone to making a whole. Nother I, deck. I think one of the funny things on on Transmute Artifact as well is that it's a wall of text, but even on the errated versions, it's the same wall of text. Like a lot of times, they kind of can trim a little bit off the fat, but they're like, no, 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 no. Like, there's a lot to go through on this. Well, the best part about it is essentially Tinker was supposed to be a fixed version of Transmute Artifact, <laughs> and they somehow made it even more right. broken. Brutal. All right. So I'm up next. Personal recommendation. We too will be talking about a piece of magic history. So you beat me to it with one of the cards you already have in the deck. But what I'm going to cut, and I'm going to be honest, you have a lot of mana ramp in this deck. You got a lot. And you still have the 36 lands. And we talked about the colors being a little skewed. So I'm actually going to recommend to just cut a swamp. Um, okay. I think you'll I think you'll live having 35 lands sure. and the 18 mana rocks <laughs> and all the other mana reductors Good that you point. have. Uh, so you have a card already in the deck that uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, like Alter Sleeves, but we were one of their Kickstarter supporters and they went ahead and created a custom sleeve for this card, but you're missing its bro. So you have Oh, you suck. You should probably I'm have the power artifact the in the deck. <laughs> this is so dumb. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So power artifact, guys, is blue, blue, enchant artifact. Activated abilities of that artifact are reduced by two. Uh, if it reduces it below one, then it's just one instead. Uh, it cannot reduce it to zero. So here's the thing that I did put a restriction on myself, Tuck, and you can feel better about this. Too late. Normally, Dana, I, ha- I have I have four copies of Monolith and I have four copies of uh, power artifact. And literally, I have those in decks purely for that just two-card combo sure. for infinite mana and nothing he's else. Because sc- he's a scumbag, as made mention previously. On podcast, <laughs> uh, but but I think uh, isn't Max like the king of the scumbags? Max so does that just make the, me part the, of right, his... the king scumbag on my show? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think that just means I'm part of his army now, which exactly. is, is good good company to be in. Um, so here's the thing, though. I did put a restriction on myself with you, uh, knowing that you, I've listened to you for for the last like eight nine months now. 
you are not a scumbag that just purely puts a card in for this one niche infinite mana combo. So I counted. You have four cards in the deck that this can actually end work with, and I think it's actually good. So one of the cards that this card will actually work with is Scarecrow, because it has four colorless tap, return target artifact creature card from your graveyard to play. Now it's two mana tap, return an artifact from the graveyard to play. That just makes that infinitely better. Sure. Um, and Scarecrow's a good card. So once again, we now have a second target. Next one, Throw this on a Soul of New Phyrexia. It has two five mana activated abilities. Now we're just three. Can you imagine just paying basically three mana? Permanent you control gain indestructible till end of turn. Wait a minute, they have that card. It's called Heroic Intervention. So <laughs> right. you basically got Heroic Intervention on a stick now uh, that you can be able to do. And then obviously he can do something else uh, from the, the graveyard. And then the last card that you do have is, uh, we talked about it earlier, the Hex Parasite. And per the rules text, the two mana reduction can count for the X. So you oh, could okay. just pay two life and nothing else and remove two counters off of something. Oh, nice. Well, you still have to pay one, and, you still have to pay one right? You have to pay one and then the two life because it says the effect can't reduce the mana, it costs less than one. Okay, so, well, because I, I basically looked up, and I think that's just the restriction of power artifact, because I actually couldn't find a ruling on artifact. I had to find rulings on X and mana reduction. So fine, you'd have to pay a colorless and black or, or two life to do it. But if you think about it, because that'll actually get three when, you do, when you're, or I guess, yeah, because you would do it for three, and then it reduces it down to one, and then the black mana. So, uh, well, actually, you know what, Tuck? No, actually, Tuck, that's incorrect, because it, it can't reduce it to zero, but the Phyrexian is part of the mana cost. The X isn't independent from the Phyrexian, so you can just pay two life and nothing oh, else. Yeah, right, right, right. And cool th yeah, and so the cool thing about that, and the way that I kind of had it thought out in my head, granted, it's a lot of life that you'd be doing, but if there's a troublesome thing out there and you got no open mana, you can just pay two life as many times and activate it a bunch of times and just remove all the counters off of whatever you need to. So you got four valid targets in the deck, and sure. you would own a piece of, uh, you know, it, it's not, and, you can, I, and you can go spend one hundred fifty dollars yeah. on effectively maybe a utility card with no way to tutor for it. So <laughs> I'll leave that. I am completely against that, but that's between you and God, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> between you and your God. <laughs> oh man! Well, Big Chuck, what is your cut and what is your? Add? I should just quit now. Um, so I also, <laughs> I also was panicking, and I also cut a swamp just because I think it, I do think it makes sense. Um, and Mr. Combo talked me into that uh, again. You have all the ramp. You have plenty of draws. You have plenty of draw. I'm not really worried about this deck stalling out from there. So um, I'm gonna. I, this was really hard because you had a lot of the stuff that I wanted, um, and I think you can have. But I think that you could. I don't think there's. You talked about like finding targets that are like broken and you, don't, and you don't want to do that over and over again. And you don't have a Microsoft Lattice, you don't have a Darksteel Forge or anything like that. So I think uh, Koldatha Forge Master could really do some work in here. So uh, five colorless for three, five, tap, sack three artifacts, search library for an artifact card and put on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So it's only it's only yep. once a turn. Um, you will generally have tokens or um, you know treasures. You'll have things to go get. And then this will kind of help you go find the things 
that you want, right? Like if you need your worm coal engine, you can go grab that. If you need that soul of new Phyrexia, you can go grab that. You want to feel like tricky and you want to continue the train going, you can go get the self-replicator, right? And like, I don't want to pay five for it, but I will pay for three. Um, and then the other thing that I like about it is, and this was mostly by accident, it is a construct, so you can use that one ring, you can use that one card, the Scrappy Combinator, to be able to go fetch this up and then be able to go get whatever you want from your deck. So um, I know that like, I don't really like cards that just go like, uh, for example, I have this in my Duretti deck and usually this goes, gives me Forge or, you know, a disc sure. or something along those lines where it's like, I have the pieces, I just need that last little bit to go into. But I think in this deck, this would really play a lot more of like a utility player, right? Like you could bend some of those mana rocks and go get your Metalwork Colossus. You can go get your Ancient Stone Idol and then you can kind of get those trains going with it as well. So um, it was really hard to be honest to find one, but I just really think that this is a really good utility artifact. It's also a creature, so it can attack if you need to. Um, just seemed like it kind of fit the, the theme of the deck, if not the spirit of it. I did, I did have one in the deck once upon a time, and it didn't really work sure. that well, but I think that was years ago before I had so many things that made Thopters mm -hmm. and artifacts in the deck. I think there's a lot more, you know, random 1-1 one -one mirrors I'm making and stuff that I can sack to it that I once did. And I just haven't, like, mentally revisited the fact that the deck's changed enough to support it. Sure. So, that's a good point. I'm going to have to look at that and see if the the new, the next current right. configuration might work better than it did back in, you know, 2016. And, and again, I'm sure you have one of these lying around, and if you don't, it's $4, you know, pretty low investment. Yeah. I couldn't, I didn't want to go the, I wanted to go Mishra's Workshop just because it's so expensive, <laughs> but yeah. it's against the rule. It's against the rules that we put on ourselves. So, I just thought, I, for me, it was just like, smooths out the deck, gets you those die triggers from um, your commander. Yeah. Just feels like it does a lot of what the deck's looking to do. That's a good call. I like it. Cool. Um, and before we head into our wrap-up, I do want to give you an applaud, sir, for being a BA and having a crashing drawbridge yeah! in the deck. That's literally <laughs> this cast's like, favorite card. So uh, that's, oh, a, that's, a, so that's a squeak class. <laughs> well, I, when it was first split, I remember looking at it and being like, oh, that's useful. There's, But there's probably better other ways to give all your creatures taste and color. Away. Like, wait a minute. There's none, <laughs> there's none other ways. It's so good. Unless, unless you're running unless you're running red it's like the most efficient way to do it yeah. and it's 25 cents right so you don't have to go and yeah. run and get a concordant crossroads yeah. or whatever that's also the kind of card that in like three or four years you're gonna be like when did that become a six dollar card <laughs> yeah, for sure oh yeah yeah well and you know and the thing that i like about it is it's still a zero four so usually right. like these kind of really good cards are like zero ones or one ones and it's just like oh you're gonna die to like a sneeze <laughs> but a zero four like that's that's legitimate it has a legitimate butt so uh I applaud you, sir, for, for running that card. Uh, well, guys, thanks for making it until the end. And as promised, here's some details about our giveaway from our sponsor, Level One Game Shop. We're giving away that Chandra Spellbook plus some CMD Tower playmat and sleeves. And enter, it's super simple. Just help the promote the content we produce. You get an entry for every interaction you do with us on social media. And we're going to announce the winner on MTG Action 4 News on July 7th in social media soon after. And yes, it's repetitive because we say it every week. We're doing these giveaways every month. Uh, it could be a sweet little book like this it could be a pre-con it could be a chase card like the oko we gave when it just kind of depends on what level one gaming provides 
But you know what? We'd love that five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. If you enjoyed it, leave that positive feedback. If we sucked, head over to CMDR Central because it's Dana's fault. (laughs) If you'd like to reach out to us and know more ways you can enter into the contest, here's how you can do that. You can reach me at Number 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where can they reach you? Uh, I'm still foolishly on Twitter at Big Tuck tweeting, so for some reason I haven't given that up yet. And Dana, if our collective wants to reach out and be able to contact you or find your content, where should they do that? The best way to reach out to me would be on Twitter as well. I'm just at Dana Roach, and my contact is on EDHREC, and you can find my podcasts on any places finer podcasts are aired. Ooh, finer podcast. I like the air that you gave it. <laughs> oh, so clearly we're not there. We're, we're, we're on like the slum no, no, we're we're just on the slum podcast, podcast platform. Not right. <laughs> Yeah, it's not podcast. We're on Dodcast. You can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Uh, we also have a website, cmdtower.com. Basically, you can just type in uh, Cyclonic Rift, Mirrodin Besieged, Demir Signet, Tower.com. Get rent. If you want to engage our awesome audio production team for your own future projects, how would they do that? Squeeze. Oh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Rich Cast Records. You can find me on Twitter at Dear Squee. Uh, I'm still hanging on to it. You can email me. It's at Dear Squee. At Somebody send me an email, please. Make it worth it. I'm begging Make you. Make it worth it. Uh, he does music podcasts and does have a full studio. Uh, I guess that is kind of a thing now. So if you do yes. want to come to Kansas City and record. I have hosted a session. I have. It was sanitary. It was. He just may have to have you uh, strip down and pour uh, bleach all over you. Luckily, but, you know, luckily in this world, you usually don't have ten to twenty people in the room. It's just and look, a couple I, people, maybe. I've been I've been friends with Squee for a long time, so I've seen the bleach pour down naked at least more than four times. So you know he's game <laughs> for it. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support the show as well as look up our sponsor with the orders you're already doing, just head over to level1gameshop.com. And when you place an order in the order notes, just type in CMD Tower so the end that you came from. The Collective. Outside of their own storefront, they also have a TCG store with over 99% accuracy rating and super competitive prices. And they also do have that sweet CMD Tower playmat and sleeves, which we have figured out how to actually sign our playmat. Uh, Dana, our playmat's on a black back, and it's that thick stitch, stitched edge. And every marker we found, it just soaked in and you couldn't see it uh, <laughs> but was able to uh, hook up with one of the guys that um, does all those sweet playmats on Facebook and he hooked us up, told us what markers so we can actually sign them and you'll be able to read them but you still won't be able to read Tucker Eye signatures because they Indeed. suck. <laughs> And another way you can support us is head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have something for reward tiers from as simple as that Discord we talked about to even getting a guest spot on the podcast with one of our stretch goals with your own sweet, sweet brew. And as well as every single tier is going to give you those additional entries into the monthly giveaways. And of course, we always want to say thank you to Pink Royal for the awesome, soothing intro music into this hellhole of a uh, <laughs> uh, content that you provided in the beginning and the end. So to kind of wrap this Stream fest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so to wrap up, Vela the Nightclad, intimidating machinery. Dana, how do you feel at the end? Do, do you feel like we conveyed what the deck wants to do? Do you think the bottle capping gave you some interesting directions for the deck? Give us your thoughts. 
I think that that looking at my um, audacity right now, we're just over two hours, and I would not have guessed we spent two hours talking. I would have guessed that was maybe a <laughs> bit over an yeah. hour. That's right. Um, That's right. So you know what? I think that is about as fine of a compliment you can pay people after a conversation is to not realize you were going for that long. Yeah, I love it. It's so, a, it's, I love it. Thank you very much. Th- this was genuinely a good time. You, Thanks a lot for having you me You just on. pushed us into finer. Not just yeah, fine, right. finer. You can be found where finer podcasts can be found. Oh, this was really fun as well, man. It, like, this is a really unique deck, especially in these colors. Um, it's clear that you put a lot of thought and effort into it, um, which we don't always see here on the podcast, mostly when it's my turn. Um, so it's fun to see something that was, you know, very well tuned. You had a lot of good stories to it. So, um, and again, like, we really appreciate you uh, hopping on with a couple of schlubs down here in Kansas City. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and Dana, I think, you know, the... the Yes, it didn't seem like two hours. It was, it was funny because I was like, gosh, my eyes are getting tired. <laughs> but like, I feel like we've only been on for like 30 minutes. And then I would like flip over to GarageBand and see, you know, oh, hour 30, hour two hours. Honestly, looking at the deck, I didn't think there was two hours to talk about here. It's just like, oh, I'm doing artifact things. And that's really it. And I think that's the difference. And I think that's why we still have such a strong uh, podcast and YouTube community is because sometimes just looking at a deck list doesn't tell you the story of what the deck is actually doing Mm -hmm. and how you achieve certain things. You know, you get that through the stories, you get that through conversation um, because like I said, I had to pivot on my bottle capping (laughs) midway through this episode because it's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I because initially, I'll be honest, what I was actually going to do is I was going to cut Toxic Deluge for evacuation because I I initially was once again looking at paper deck. Oh, Vela, leaving the battlefield. That's a way to possibly kill a whole bunch of people. But after discussing, it's like, no, She's really here for Intimidate. The Leave the Battlefield is just, uh, as you guys called it over at EDH Rec, the gravy um, sure. that the card has. So, um, you know, thank you for this, man. Uh, you know, I didn't mention this in the beginning, so it was you guys and the Commander Smiths that actually were the first two casts I started listening to because I used to drive all over the state of Kansas for my job. Now I just work behind a computer because I'm not allowed to leave the house. Um, so I've, I've loved the content, uh, you know, and uh, keep, keep doing the good work, my friend. Thank you very much. You guys keep doing the same. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Deuce magooses. Deuce magooses.